professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 62, Survivor Series 1991. The Gravest Challenge. Uh, who's that? That's your line. That's my line. No, that's my line now. Oh, man. <laughs> We'd like to welcome our special guest for this week, Shane O'Mac. Hi, everybody. I'm waving at the microphone. Oh, you, you got that shuffle with the feet and the Nikes on? No. No, this, this <laughs> is a, a pre-attitude Shane O'Mac. Okay. Lazy referee that just kind of <laughs> sits around and shows up every now and then, Shane O'Mac. Goes and tells Undertaker to go to the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty big bump. Uh, Shane uh, I've known him for three or four years now. Yeah, going on four. And uh, we talk wrestling all the time, and he's a loyal listener. From, loyal listener. From what I understand. Yeah, since, since the beginning, week to week nice. to week to week, even on shows that I've never seen before, which... There Some aren't too many of them. Now you don't have to watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, all the all the mainstream ones I've seen. The it's the the New Japan or All Japan or whatever it was back in the day, Japan yeah. that I I'm catching up on the or starting to AWA familiarize. Yeah, had you seen the AWA Super Clash? No. Yeah, that was a fun show. That was a fun show. I mean, yeah, we had the New Japan show a couple weeks ago with the G1 Climax and everything. So. Sometimes you gotta been, get out I mean, of been, the U.S. Yeah, I've been trying to I've been trying to push him towards some of that stuff for a long time. So hey, I'm an old dog. What can I say? <laughs> been around since WrestleMania two. But like literally, when we were putting this podcast together, I was telling him about it, and he was like, "I have to be on these episodes." <laughs> yeah, and that's, so that's pretty awesome that you were. Because next week's show, this Tuesday in Texas, yep. was your very first pay-per-view you ever watched uh the first one that i got by my or not by myself but in my house i had watched them before but yeah this was the first one that it was spur of the moment i have to do this because i got to see what happens so you called called up as a as a child no i i demanded to my sister (laughs) yes yeah stole the credit card but because this (laughs) tuesday in texas and survivor series are so linked we were like Let's just have him come and hang out with us for both shows. And exactly. anytime there's a Survivor Series, we could always use. We could always use a little bit of. Help. <laughs> hey, I mean Survivor Series as a kid, that was always my your favorite. It was one of my favorites. Just yeah. it, it was. I mean, Plus it was always Thanksgiving. Was favorite, so I was like, maybe it'll help <laughs> yeah. bring a little <laughs> yeah, yeah. levity to her. I'm <laughs> always too hard on to Survivor Series. Of Survivor all of them, series. it was always more family centric because it was you know Thanksgiving time at the holidays, whatnot. So. Feed yourself, gorge on food, whatever, yeah, and then I kick see, back and watch wrestling. Yeah, I could see it having more fond memories of Survivor Series if we did that. Yeah. But, uh, Plus, it was a different time. We didn't have the the the, the lit internet. shows. <laughs> well, we didn't have the internet, <laughs> didn't have streaming, yeah. and we had shows where the the mainstream guys would just face jobbers constantly. So anytime you got to see multiple people all at one time sure. fighting each other, it was yeah you know, a big deal. It definitely adds a lot of perspective. To uh, it for me because I'm just every time I'm in a Survivor Series, watching a Survivor Series, I'm just like, 
not if this is me. <laughs> well, this Survivor Series was the fifth annual one produced by the WWF. As Shane mentioned, it took place on Thanksgiving Eve, November 27th, 1991, at the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, Michigan. And the attendance was 17,500 people. So, like, double what WCW pretty much does all the time. Yeah, I mean, that's this is where they've, like, WWF, WF's been hanging out at 16 and 17, and uh, we all know WCW's half that. Sometimes, if they're lucky. <laughs> exactly. Yep. But some things that happened around the time of the show. One, a sad note. Freddie Mercury would pass away from pneumonia induced by AIDS a few days before. Now, I'll admit, I'm a huge Queen fan. I think everybody... I, I, don't, I don't know if I've met anybody that doesn't like Queen. I've just heard people like, uh, they'll play the same five Queen songs on the radio. But that's that. those people's fault for listening to the radio. Yeah. Not everybody is a huge Queen fan, but everybody at least has a favorite Queen song, it oh, seems. Oh, yeah. That's, a good, that's a good way to put it. So we're going to name our favorite Queen songs, right? <laughs> that's, that's rough. It's okay if you say Bohemian Rhapsody. We won't make fun of it. <laughs> no, no. I like the one where he says, uh, and I never liked Star Wars, but I can't think what the song's called. And I always that always kind of made me upset, too. <laughs> I'm trying to think of which one that is. And then what's this, I'm blanking hard, but... In- Flashback through the movie in my head. I mean, there's Killer Queen. There's... Killer Queen's such a great one. Yeah. Bicycle. Uh, we Are the Champions. Yeah, Somebody Loves really good. But there's not really any... Of, of the singles, there's not any bummer ones. Huh. But I haven't, I haven't deep-dived... On Queen, I've listened to like jazz and Night at the Opera are like the two albums I've listened to multiple times in my life. But I mean, my favorite's always been Fat Bottom Girls. Oh, okay. there you go. Yeah, I would say elite, like We Will Rock You slash We Are the Champions is kind of my least favorite, but only because it's been overplayed and like I don't. They probably don't play the basketball games anymore. Oh, but as a kid, they know they do. Because <laughs> I remember I hadn't gone to a sports game in a long time and then I went to a Thunder game a few years ago probably like five or six years ago at this point and I was like oh they play like current music at these and I was like oh well, when I was a kid they probably played some current songs as well it's just you know that Queen, was a decade ago or more the biggest thing about Queen is you can always tell who is a who got how someone got into Queen it's usually either Wayne's World their dad or their parents <laughs> or if they're a brand new fan then it's it's the movie. Oh, the movie yeah. Rhapsody. Yeah, I didn't catch it. I mean, I got into him because of Wayne's World. So, I mean, that's why I said Bohemian that, Rhapsody. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's okay. I mean, you it's that, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah. Everybody Bohemian always Rhapsody says it, but great. that song never, like, was kind of forgotten. And, like, I don't know that it ever charted, but it was, like, number two after Wayne's World, like, on yeah. the rock charts at some point. Yeah, because it was up there. I think it was, like, neck and neck with MC Hammer or something like that. I'm trying to remember <laughs> back to the exact time I was in junior high, high school, something like that. Wayne's World. Also, the weekend before, movie theaters, it must have been family week. Because it's the holidays. Yeah, exactly. We had Adam's Family, American Tale, Five Goes West, which is the sequel, mm-hmm. and Beauty and the Beast, they with all released to theaters. Love me some Beauty and the Beast. How do you, how do you choose oh, yeah. which one you I, go to? I think <laughs> I saw two of these in the theater, not Adam's Family, but Adam's Family, Adam's Family values were big rentals for me as a kid and then of course they were played on television constantly like years later but american tale i had the the lamp beauty and the beast i had all the collectible cards and probably like 
the McDonald's toys and stuff. But I was like four, I think like four, almost five when these came out. So it was like perfect age for, for those two movies. Youngins, right? Yeah. yeah I was like... <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, though. That uh, was... I think it's actually probably my second favorite because I, I was a Little Mermaid person. Uh, oh, yeah. I love Little Mermaid. I didn't see that one in the theater, but I remember when the tape came out and uh, sitting around and watching it with like friends with my mom or my mom picked it up. But I think, I guess Beauty and the Beast would have been the first one because it's like Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Lion Aladdin. King. Yeah. Yeah, and then Lion King. Yeah. yeah. What an incredible run. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's like hard to pick. Like, what's the best one? And then everyone went to Pocahontas and was like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pocahontas was the first Disney movie that, as a teenager slash adult, I went with my nephews, and yeah, I fell asleep. First movie that I had fallen asleep in, I like think, since I saw Radio Days that Woody, o- Woody Allen had put out. the Wind is a great song, but... Oh, yeah. Like, Maybe that's what it was. It just, like, lulled me to sleep. That's literally the only thing good about that movie, really, guys. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't, I haven't done a rewatch, but I'm pretty sure that Beauty and the Beast through Lion King, I've seen so many times that it, it'd just be... I'd remember every scene, I'd imagine. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast, that one was, was I think it's still my all-time, of Disney anyways, all-time It has the best favorite. songs of those, like, of that run of yeah. movies, for sure. Of the Disney mu- animated musicals. It's, yes. Because Robin Hood's still my favorite. Oh, yeah. Disney animated films. I like Sword in the Stone a lot as a kid. Hmm. Sword in the Stone's a good one, too. But you know what else we should talk about? Probably him wrestling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is why we're here. <laughs> so the logo comes onto the screen. Gorilla Monsoon welcomes us to the show and then sends us to a video of what happened at Superstars the weekend before. And it's horrific. <laughs> now we've talked about, or I guess I shouldn't say we have talked about this. You, Michael, have talked about this Probably a few I, times. I believe that I have a terrible memory. And I was just like, will we ever see this and then I finally got to see it. Yeah. And oh, so you had like, never actually seen it? I had it never seen this. Before. Oh, so you just waited it out. Uh-huh. Well, let's, let's, tell me how you felt about it. I was mind blown, like <laughs> how how crazy well, that it well, actually was. Mm-hmm. Let the people know. So Jake the Snake Roberts has Macho Man tied up in the ropes. He's attacking. Him, pulls a snake out of a bag, and it's not Damien. No. Mm-mm. It's a King Cobra. <laughs> Roberts grabs it by the head and leads it over to Macho, and the snake bites down on Savage's arm. And yeah, it's like his bicep. <laughs> Jake's like shaking it to get it to bite down even harder. It's like it's kind of like snapped on there, and then all of a sudden he's like shaking it, and you see the snake like actually open oh, his yeah. jaw even farther, and just like it's like a close even... up. I couldn't believe. I can't believe that that was just on television. Oh, like not a pay per view. Be, be a 14-year-old kid sitting at home watching that on the edge of your seat as it's happening. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard it to watch awesome. like now, even though it's like, yeah, I know that, like, it, I mean, that he's okay, and like, but it's still like, I wouldn't, I, that'd have to be a pretty big paycheck for me to just oh, yeah. get, take a snake bite. on the Coliseum tapes, they actually put a black box over yeah. it. Really? To, yeah, so or you couldn't see it. It's an X or a box or, or something yeah, like that, I can't X, remember. Maybe. But oh, good old Coliseum home video. We basically <laughs> see blood coming out of those bite marks. Roddy Piper comes running down from the announce table, and then all of a sudden, Miss Elizabeth comes running down with very piped-in screams over the <laughs> uh, on the tape because they're definitely not that loud. And Jake's not letting Macho go, just using using the snake to keep everyone out of the ring. Um, Savage finally gets up, and he's like just swing wildly. 
at Royal yeah. Hearts, like because the venom, you know. The, oh yeah, the venom, venom driving like, straight through the brain, exactly, <laughs> coursing through his veins. dementia. <laughs> oh, we see little kids at ringside crying. It, it was, it was a very visceral moment. Oh yeah, and that perfectly just perched snake in the middle of the ring, just yeah. It's like it could not have gone any better. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like it's like this is what we're gonna do. It sounds like it could be a disaster. It's like well. <laughs> It's the, exactly the disaster they probably wanted. As good as the dog was on Frasier, it's like the same person trained this snake to be prepared <laughs> yeah. for the camera. Popper then finally jumps up into the ring to drag Savage out and onto a stretcher, and they rush him to the back. We then go to WWF President Jack Tunney, <clears throat> who states that due to the medical condition, he cannot allow Macho Man to participate in the Survivor Series. And he accepts Robert's explanation that it was an accident. Fuck you, Tony. <laughs> I can say that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so Woo! So then Tony bans all reptiles from ringside and furthermore reinstates Savage. Yeah, like, the only other reptile is the, is the Komodo Dragon, or was that WCW? Rick, no, Ricky Steamboat? Steamboat's Komodo Dragon's the only other reptile we've ever had. Yeah, yep. it's just funny to say all reptiles. Like, Jake's going to start coming out with, like, iguanas. <laughs> <laughs> Snapping turtles. Uh, yes, that's. <laughs> and then basically, Tony tells us that the two men are going to have a match at this Tuesday in Texas. And I was like, so we're plugging the next show before this show even starts. Yeah, like yeah. this whole show cool. is a commercial for a show two days later, <laughs> which is kind of amazing. But then he also states that because of that, Jake will not participate in tonight's Survivor Series. So the match he was going to be in is now a three-on-three instead of a four-on-four. Yeah, four. but it's pretty genius to, like, you know, use all this to set up this Tuesday in Texas. Yes. Yeah. Grill Monsoon and Bobby Heenan then talk about the announcements that were just made and preview the matches of the evening before we go to our first match. The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, the Mountie, the Warlord, and Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Bumps me out. With Sensational Sherry, Jimmy Hart, Harvey Whippleman, and Mr. Perfect versus Brett Hitman Hart, Virgil, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. So Kurt Henning as like a manager? Yes. Well, remember he, he's, he's, he's hurt. Yeah, he okay, had the back okay. surgery All after right. the match at WrestleMania, yeah. so he's they brought him back just as a mouthpiece, which don't know why with Ric Flair yeah. why anyone he doesn't need a mouthpiece I mean at the time I think it's basically just to keep his heat as a heel yeah. yeah at the time it made sense just the two of them together because uh, I wasn't I knew of Ric Flair and watched some of his stuff but they just seemed like they were an equal caliber of yeah they're both shitheads they both got bleach blonde hair yeah the real crime here is that Ric Flair's in the first match yeah true <laughs> it blew my mind I was like wait what that's what we're doing. So the story behind this match was that Piper had been sniping at Ric Flair ever since he arrived. And so on a Superstars taping, Flair would go to the broadcast table instead of the ring to bait Piper into a fight. Nature Boy would start arguing with Vince McMahon and Rowdy took exception, only to receive a shot to the head with the title belt, which was the big gold belt. Yeah, yeah. Big, big gold. Is it blurred out here? It will be. Okay, it will be. <laughs> a brawl would break out with Vince even getting an accidental wooden chair shot from Piper. Even Vince getting into the action. <laughs> and like Ric Flair and Roddy Piper had worked together like back in the territory. They were like right? best friends. Oh, okay. So yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like I know we haven't really seen them work together 
doing this show, but there was plenty of wrestling that happened before we started, uh, before the date we started. Yeah, they worked together a lot back in the late 70s. So DiBiase has his Million Dollar Championship belt back. As the weekend before at the Survivor Series showdown, Million Dollar Man would defeat Virgil when Repo Man would come to ringside and (laughs) smash Virgil in the face with the belt. Uh. (laughs) Basically, the Million Dollar Man had paid Repo Man to repo the belt. Yeah. We, is this our first Repo Man? It's our first mention of Repo Man. We mm. won't see him until the next show. Yeah. Right. But we'll talk about it more about him next week. Ric Flair then raises, supposedly, the big gold belt over his head. Wait, what is it? It's but the WWF belt. blacked it out as WCW had sued them over the use of it. So the actual belt he's holding up, do you know? I do. It is the uh, the World Tag Team Championship. That's right. <laughs> That's funny. Because it's going to be blacked out anyway, so why you bother using the real deal? Exactly. Which, Isn't this awesome? if it's going to be blacked out anyway, why not use the real deal is what I was thinking <laughs> as I was watching it. Isn't this around the same time, like there's that lawsuit, but isn't this around the same time that the steroid stuff starts going down? Uh, I believe so, yeah. does happen here very soon. Yeah, within like before, before January. It's right around then. Okay. Because... When we get to Royal Rumble, we will have a bunch of... And this is the last time we see this guy. <laughs> okay. Because of the steroid stuff. Well, that'll be interesting. <laughs> so the match... Piper keeps pointing to Flair, but DiBiase starts it off instead. And the two men are just kind of staring at each other until Nature Boy comes with a kick from behind. Roddy's tossed to the ropes, ducks a million-dollar man clothesline, and comes back with one of his own, picking him up and crotching and bouncing him on the top rope. DiBiase reaches out to Sherry just as Piper drags him back to the middle, so Sherry is brought into the ring as well. Sherry's always getting physical in these matches. Yeah, I mean, like, if there was a women's division at this point, you know Sherry would be the most incredible heel. She could wrestle. She uh, trained with Moolah, I believe. She was the last champion, I think, that we covered. I believe so, yeah. 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 Uh, I always had bigger hopes for Sherry as far as the, the women's wrestling went yeah I wanted like, her I mean she she should have been the the moolah of the modern day and they just kind of pushed her on the background yeah. but I'm always excited to see her Roddy begins to stalk her to the corner when Million Dollar Man comes from behind but Piper turns in time which allows Sherry to jump on his back Roddy then calmly sets her down kisses her <laughs> while DiBiase gets back up and Piper lays in quick jabs Everybody's tagging in, working on the arm of Million Dollar Man, until Hitman is pushed back to a corner, but he reverses an Irish whip and charges in with a knee, but DiBiase moves. Million Dollar Man with a twisting leg hold when Hart kicks him off into the turnbuckle. He bounces back out into a monkey flip, sunset flip type move that puts Brett on top for a pin, but is reversed into a sit-out pin by DiBiase, which is reversed into a jackknife pin by Hitman. For a two count. That's the kind of spots that I like. Back to back to back. Yeah. I mean, Give me some fun, interesting pins. If you remember last year at Survivor Series, Million Dollar Man and Bret Hart had the most incredible last five minutes of that match. Very true. Yeah. So these two guys have good chemistry. I feel like I never get enough like Million Dollar Man just like work rate because like I know he can do it, but he, he's doing the heel thing. Like, yeah. The gimmick does not allow for him to just like get down and dirty. 
We get an arm drag takedown by Hart, but Million Dollar Man tosses Brett to the ropes to hit a hip toss. Flair comes in, goes for an elbow drop, but Hitman moves and hits a headbutt, an inverted atomic drop. Bulldog with a teeter-totter slingshot into the turnbuckle, which brings out the Flair Flop. Uh, how many times does Flair Flop in this match? Flair Flop. There's something that, like, the Flair Flop seems feels so much cheesier here, but maybe it's just because it's the WWF. But it seems, <laughs> for some reason it just feels a little bit more corny than it does... And it's like, it's still the same guy doing it's, it. It's I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe it's just because we're in like the land of gimmicks, but you can't say that WCW is not doing a bunch of dumb gimmicks at this point in time not, either. Not, not this point. Not when either. you got guys like uh, Oz out there. Oz. <laughs> 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 Nature Boy begins to fire back with chops, but is tossed to the ropes and military pressed by Davy Boy. Piper tags in and goes crazy on Flair, sending him to the outside where we get another Flair flop. That's two. Roddy follows out to slam his head into the steel steps, throws him back in, and Natch rolls to his corner Eight. to tag Warlord in. Say what? Oh, sorry. I, I do that when I watch the show because I'm an avid listener, and every time you say Natch, I say Natch. <laughs> the natural boy. Yeah. <laughs> The natural boy, Nick, Fla- Nick Flair. <laughs> That's his secret cousin. <laughs> it's it's one of those just like automatic triggers where you say it and I say it. It's just become a thing, Matt. You should know this, even though you're not there to listen as I'm listening. <laughs> I've done that before too. Listen to like a friend's podcast about like movies or something, and I'm like, that opinion's wrong. Or it'll be like they'll be like, oh, uh, what was that other thing that person did? And I'm like, I have the answer right here. I'm just like repeating it out loud. <laughs> Bulldog tags in, starts to run the ropes, tries for multiple shoulder tackles to no avail. Ducks a clothesline and comes back with a dropkick, an Irish whip to the corner, and charges into a big boot from the Warlord. Davy Boy is then head slammed into a DiBiase boot. Mountie comes in with a flying back elbow, but when Bulldog tags Hitman, the Mountie bails out of the ring. Brett and Main Dog Man lock up. Hart hits a backbreaker, comes off the second rope with an elbow drop, but is then tossed to the ropes by DiBiase, where they knock heads for a double KO. Both men make it to the corner for a tag. Davy Boy tosses the Mountie to the ropes and hits a clothesline, a back elbow, and a press slam. Flair comes into the ring to attack from behind, but the Bulldog turns in time to stop him, but a low blow puts the Nature Boy in control. Are Davy Boy and Warlord guys that don't come back? the steroids thing because <laughs> these guys are looking yeah, they're looking foreshadowing yeah they're looking yeah they're looking bigger than ever yeah I think I have it written in my notes here that Bulldog aka Swole Dog <laughs> he looks yeah he's, he's like so puffy big like cartoon huge and but him and Warlord look great in the ring next to each other like I just want to see him just like clothesline the shit out of each other yep chops and punches by Natch. <laughs> but Davy Boy no-sells it and starts backing Flair up. But another low blow has Nature Boy and Million Dollar Man double-team Irish whipping, which Bulldog charges out of the corner with a double clothesline. Warlord comes in only to receive a big right hand, allowing Davy Boy to get back to the legal man, the Mountie, to hit a running power slam. But everybody jumps in the ring, so the ref doesn't make the count as he's getting, getting them back to the corners allowing Flair to come off the top rope with a single sledge to break up the pin attempt and then cover Bulldog as well for the pin. 
And Davy Boy Smith has been eliminated. I guess, yeah. Like Of the faces, I guess he's obviously the first one to go. Is he? Yeah, because Virgil and Million Dollar Man have to fight. <laughs> Like they can't, you can't get, you can't pin Virgil before those guys touch. Virgil's got to go. I I like but Virgil. I did like Heenan's comment about British Bulldog though about million dollar body, ten cent mind, Whoopi <laughs> Goldberg haircut. <laughs> Heenan, I'm so I'm having a lot of fun with the Heenan Grill Monsoon run at the moment, and like when this show started, I was like, well, at least Bobby Heenan's there for me. <laughs> they're they're a classic pair. Yeah. I miss the two of them being on TV together. Piper comes in attacking Nature Boy, but gets caught between all four members of the opposite team in their corner. Roddy's trying to fight back, but it's just too much. Flair with a snapmare, a running knee drop. Woo! Zip Virgil. Goes for a second knee drop, but Piper moves and and locks on the figure four until DiBiase breaks up the hold. Million Dollar Man with a shin breaker, chops, kicks Roddy's legs out from under him, and locks in a twisting leg hold, but Piper escapes by crating them for a two count. The Mountie rushes in to stop Roddy from tagging, locking him into a Boston Crab, but Piper is crawling (laughs) to his corner to make the tag to Virgil. Virgil jumps in to break the hold, Irish whips the Mountie, charges in to hit a clothesline, but the Mountie goes towards his corner to make a tag, Everyone just takes their hand away. <laughs> so Virgil stays on the offensive with a back elbow. It always blows my mind how like Virgil always gets really good like reaction from the crowd. It's because we wanted so much for him. To just yeah, and then yeah. and then we saw yeah. what we got when he finally got in there, and it was just because uh, he has a great look. He's you know his him like turning on Million Dollar Man was great. Him beating him up twice. It's like well, I can watch this a third time. But Virgil getting better in the ring would be really helpful. Yeah, I, I feel mean, like maybe he should have trained the whole time where he was just the like the valet yeah. manager. I mean, we all wanted him to come out there and you know have his his time against the Million Dollar Man, and then as soon as he was there, we just I, at least me anyways, I yeah, just wanted he's him to the go one back. guy that gets to uh, box. Yeah. <laughs> and when Shane McMahon is a better you know air boxer than you are, then yeah, you, yeah. Virgil's got the... Time to hang up those gloves. Got the body, not the talent. (laughs) Again, Mountie goes to make a tag, and Flair tags in this time. Virgil's throwing right hands to knock Natch down before hitting a back body drop. (laughs) Million Dollar Band finally tags in, hits a knee lift, and tries to slam Virgil's head into the turnbuckle multiple times, but is blocked and reversed to have his own head slammed ten times. Goes for an Irish whip that is reversed by DiBiase, who then hits a power slam. Warlord comes in, tosses Virgil to the floor, where Flair continues the attack with Chops, slamming his head on the steel steps, which brings the hitman over to help him back up and into the ring. Warlord slams Virgil's head into the turnbuckle, a clubbing forearm across the back, and locks on the full Nelson until Hart comes off the top rope with a right hand to break up the hold. Piper then makes the cover for the pin, and the Warlord is a See ya. <laughs> Seeing Piper pin the Warlord. I mean, it makes sense because Roddy Piper is definitely more famous than Warlord, but yeah. Warlord is like twice the size of Roddy Piper <laughs> easily. DiBiase with a back elbow on Roddy and goes for a suplex that Piper reverses for one of his own. Tags in Virgil, who hits multiple clotheslines on the another man. 
locks on the million dollar dream. Tomb of the Doom. Which DiBiase escapes by forcing Virgil in to fall into a turnbuckle head first. Flair with chops on Virgil, a back suplex. The Mountie puts the boots to him and hits a drop kick and holds Virgil up for Million Dollar Man to get some chops in. DiBiase goes up to the second rope to come off with a double axe handle as well. Million Dollar Man then hits a gut wrench suplex and Nature Boy comes in to hit a double clothesline on Virgil. Flair goes for the pin with leverage, but only a two count. DiBiase with a clothesline chops, tosses Virgil to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Virgil to hit a swinging neckbreaker and crawl into his corner for Piper to get to the tag. Roddy starts no-selling some chops, pushes Nature Boy into a corner, and goes for mounted punches, which Flair tries to escape with an inverted atomic drop, but is blocked, and Piper pokes him in the eyes, slamming his head into the turnbuckle multiple times. DiBiase and the Mountie jump in the ring, only to receive right hands from Roddy as well. Hart and Virgil join the fray, as Nature climbs to the top rope, only for Piper to press slam him off to the mat. Everybody's brawling when Flair is Irish whipped for a Flair flip. All of a sudden, the ref calls for the bell as Virgil and Piper are going for after Million Dollar Man, dragging him out to the floor and slamming his head on the steps. Hitman runs the mounting into the ring post as Flair stands alone in the ring. The official announcement comes that the ref has disqualified every participant that had been battling in the ring except for one man, the sole survivor. Rick Flair. Yeah. Cool. So why didn't Rick Flair just get to pin some guys? Wouldn't that be a good way to like, you know, kind of get over one of the greatest wrestlers of all time? You'd think, but <laughs> did he even he he did he even get a pin in this? No. Piper pin Warlord. Flair pinned Davey Boy. That's okay, right. Okay. He got one pin, but it was yeah. I mean, I don't want to see him pin the IC champion or anything, but no, nah. he could have pinned Virgil. Yeah. Definitely could have. Virgil could have been pinned. Mountie yeah, could have been Mount, pinned. Yeah. Mount, I can't, yeah, Mountie definitely uh, needs to be pinned. But he's handsome and brave and strong. What do you mean? Post-match, Roddy jumps back in the ring to attack Nature Boy, sending him over the ropes to the floor with a big right hand. Million Dollar Man then jumps in the ring, only to be thrown right back out by Piper. We see Brett and Mountie have made their way back into the ring as well. They're still brawling, and Roddy joins up with Hart for a double toss to the ropes and look to go for a double clothesline, but the Mountie holds on and escapes back to the locker room. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My Survivor Series issues. It's like, there was some fun stuff here, but... It would have been better as a tag team match. Yeah. Like, like just a, Roddy a and, tag and Hitman against... And no, Flair and DiBiase. Give me those four and I'd be happy. But it was Mountie that had the... I know. ...with Brett, so... Yeah, it's like, we don't need another... Roddy and Virgil team up, but no. if Virgil's still here, all he's got is people still, they still want to see him beat up Million Dollar Man. Yeah. It's because, like, yeah. Because that is still over, but what, what do you do with Virgil after that? It's not like he's, like, who else, who's gonna, who's gonna carry him through a match? You're not gonna give him to Bret Hart. <laughs> like, it just doesn't make any sense. We then go to Gorilla and Heenan, and Bobby is super excited that Flair won the match. And then uses the WCW gimmick of making a call from a telephone at the announce table <laughs> to find out what the real world champion has to say. We then go to Mean Gene, who's on the stage, and he interviews Macho Man Randy Savage. 
And Gene tells us that 97% of the vote on the hotline were for reinstatement. So I must, there was a vote yep. that people could call. Jack Tunney like, basically gave a hotline. It was like, call in if you want Macho Man to be reinstated. And of yeah. course, you know, everyone's going to vote for him. Because who doesn't want Macho Man back? Yep. Of course. Like, yeah. That's one of the reasons this show is, like, good in hindsight. is <laughs> Macho Man. Gene then brings up the snake bite, and Savage responds with, I was delirious, and I was hallucinating, and I was living in hell. I couldn't see, and I couldn't hear. But the one thing that I could see, and the one thing I could hear, was Elizabeth crying. And that hurt me worse than anything that Jake the Snake Roberts could ever do to me. I wonder if Tunney realizes who the real snake is. It's you, Roberts. It's always been you. This Tuesday in Texas, the madness is going to be all over you like melting butter. <laughs> oh, yeah. And this is like the time period where, like, I think this is maybe around the time that the Slim Jim ads start, but this is the gear that he's starting to wear where it's like the super bright, like, neon yeah. with, like, the fringe, yeah. which how is most people, most people will remember. Memory yeah. yeah. Either that or, like, the black and white later in the yeah. 90s, but this is. I mean, he always has an amazing look, but this, like, neon one, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, this is total, like, beef jerky commercial. Yeah. Uh, I want to say those kicked in around, I think it was 92-ish. Yeah. So. He got the deal right as he left. Oh, was it? WWF and oh, okay. WCW. Okay. So I guess it was 93, 94? Yeah. It was, so it's a, we're still a few years away from the Slim Jim commercials. Gene then asks Randy about what Elizabeth thinks of all of this. And Macho brings her out, lets her talk. Elizabeth says that she just wants to thank everyone and anyone who had something to do with Randy's reinstatement. And then she predicts victory for Macho Man with a, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Elizabeth is, I feel like, has had the potential to be just a great actress. Why wasn't she on, like, uh, a, like at least a, like a soap opera? Yeah. I mean, great on that. back in the day, Silk Stockings played right after primetime wrestling. That would have been perfect for her to go. She would have been great on Silk Stockings. Yeah. <laughs> I would have watched yeah. the crap. Like, uh-huh. her, her crying and, like, like look of, like, worry and distress is always, like, so believable. Mm-hmm. So, there was another video that has become rather infamous that was not shown on the network's version of SummerSlam, but was included in the Coliseum Home video along with being shown on highlights on the TV shows at the time. Have, have you seen this? Oh, yeah. I watched it as it was happening. I was, I was very disappoint, disappointed that it wasn't on the network version of SummerSlam because I'm like, it it makes sense for it to be there. Of Survivor Of SummerSlam. Oh, SummerSlam. Oh, okay. Previous WWE. Yeah, okay. you figured they'd tie it in or at least add a little package or something to it, but I guess not. And, and they, never show, they never show it. On this show or on this Tuesday in Texas, so that's why I'm bringing it up now. So after the wedding at SummerSlam, oh, I love the wedding. They go have a wedding reception. Mm-hmm. And everyone, everyone's Champagne. Everyone's there, and presents, cake, presents, and everything. Oh, this would make sense. Elizabeth opens up one of the gifts. It's a fucking snake, huh? And it's a fucking snake. That yeah. rules. Why? Why? Why did they? Why did they not use that? It would make this. So much better. And this is already incredible. Yeah. That's crazy. But then, after she Jake Roberts and The Undertaker both crash the reception, mm-hmm. and then Sid Justice shows up 
with a chair to t- yeah. clear the bad guys, basically. They didn't film it for SummerSlam. They filmed it after the fact because of the Ultimate Warrior getting fired. Yep. Because Jake Roberts and Warrior were uh, supposed to feud. Uh, and then so when Warrior got fired, they switched it to Roberts and Macho. I mean, like, that's obviously going to be better than, than a Warrior angle because you've got Miss Elizabeth here to, you know, get that extra sympathy. Ah, they were they were building up to some, some awesomeness with Warrior. You think we, so? Yeah, I mean, just the, the promos and everything that they were doing before this all happened... Yeah, I was one of those kids. Again, I was a huge Warrior fan anyways, but I was anxiously awaiting the next episode to see what was going to happen. Really? Cause Cause basically the whole I don't know anything about this Because Roberts, Roberts was helping Warrior get prepared. Yeah, for The Undertaker. Uh, for The Undertaker. Okay. Because it was going to be Warrior Undertaker. That sounds And he started helping him get prepared, and then all of a sudden Roberts heel turned on him. Yeah, locked him in a room with snakes. Oh, And man. Warrior got attacked. I, like, I do like that. It, it was a great... Yeah. I'm gonna have like, to, to storyline yeah. promos, but it all just kind of went to shit. That was the beginning of Jake's whole "trust me" catchphrase that he yeah. says throughout this. I mean, Jake the is few. terrifying on this show and the next show. Like he's legitimately scary. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like yeah. Like it doesn't. I like I know it's acting, but it's him and uh, Elizabeth are a great team. They should have both been on the silk stockings together. Yeah, but that actually set the stage for. The, the Survivor Series too because Sid coming in and doing his uh, wedding crash wedding yeah. crasher crashing by stopping Jake and whatnot that's what got him and Jake somewhat at each other's throats for well, Survivor also, Series but Sid's not so Sid so Sid was supposed to be in that match yeah with in the against Jake and they took Jake out so it was a three on three match Sid was supposed to be in that match but he hurt himself Oh, uh, so terrible were, timing. But yeah. then they didn't want to sell Macho coming back from a snake bite so quickly. Yeah. So they, that's why they made it a three-on-three match. So it, yeah, it, yeah. He got special permission to was, return for the Survivor Series, and then Jake took him out with the snake bite, and yeah. So I mean, like, the storyline breeding, they kind building of like, up to they, it was great. Yeah, they did a pretty good job of getting around it. Honestly, like they could have. They definitely fumbled stuff harder than that before. Seeing yeah. some of these storylines, WWF did a good job of like. Turning on a dime, basically, yeah. when something happened that could have messed up like an entire half a year yeah. worth of story. I mean, they also had like tell. Macho Man and just they, and Jake the Snake just to, sitting to, over there, and yeah, and like the Undertaker and all the stuff. Everybody's kind of involved in one way or another, and then you can kind of split them off if you have people that are that compelling. Yep, it's like Jake and Macho Man almost seems like overkill because any one of those guys can make a feud. With somebody that's got half the talent still, like, at least interesting at the least. Like, you know, at the very least interesting. But uh, this is some of the best stuff I think we've seen story-wise. Yeah. So let's head off to our second match. We get Colonel Mustafa. Like 45 minutes into the pay-per-view. The Berserker, Skinner, and Hercules with General Adnan and Mr. Fuji versus the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich. El Matador, Tito oh, yeah. Santana. This is our first first Matador sighting. Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> I hate that that Sheik. Well, I mean Colonel Mustafa. Yeah, I hate that he does the like. Fuck these teams next. <laughs> <laughs> but I hate that he does the 
the, uh, the bushwhacker. Oh, yeah, he totally <laughs> yeah, he like I, he's been doing it, but it's like, what are you, what are you doing here, man? It yeah. makes you look goofy. You're supposed to look, you know, supposed to look mean. So last time we saw Slaughter, he was a heel. Yep. Mm-hmm. But he had decided to apologize for his affiliation with Iraq, and vignettes would run asking fans for forgiveness, saying that he wanted his country back, which is why he was on the face team. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Yeah. It's like yeah. Well, okay. It's like here. All I really want to see is either a singles Von Eric or a singles Tito match, or just the two of them to have a match together because that would be good. Duggan starts up the USA <laughs> chant. USA, USA. Ho! Oh. Uh, Are you as excited about Duggan as? I, I got to live through Duggan. I got to see Doug, Duggan live, and yeah, he always got that. I, I had that same reaction as Michael does today. Of, yeah, like, uh, I heard that Duggan <laughs> at one point, like back in the day, before he was in the WWF, he was like a champion and like was a good worker and was like super over and like mm-hmm. was had to, was like kind of like the next big thing. But I think he got in trouble getting arrested with a heel yeah. breaking kayfabe and like. The early '80s like or after something. WrestleMania so now he's famous like for being hacks on Jim Duggan. But yeah, I've never seen him. Do... Got caught. Yeah, yeah okay. I've never seen him work well in the WWF. Like he's never done anything Im- impressive to me no. outside of get over with a dumb gimmick. Yep. But I like to see him like have a good match because if I mean I be- I am not. I believe that it, I believe that it's possible. Mid South guy. With yeah, I was trying to remember Jim if it was Mid South or if it was Georgia. I want to say it was Mid South. Sure. I think it was Mid South. Yeah. I think he's a Bill Watts guy. So, but yeah, he was one of the top guys there, and had they had big plans to make him one in WWF when he came up there, and yeah, he kind of tanked it before it started. Yeah, well, I mean, could have been a little worse. He's like those, like one of the most over mid card guys for like a decade at this yeah. point. I think at one point he was a potential for, or at least be in the the championship tournament at WrestleMania four. Oh, okay. I might be wrong. His gimmick's just too goofy. Yeah. But I mean, The Undertaker's goofy in hindsight. At, at this point, The Undertaker's, Undertaker's gimmick scary. is pretty goofy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's point. like, but it's also, I mean, it's, the kids, the kids are scared. <laughs> Some of the kids are scared. Not all of them, but you know. So this match gets going with Skinner slapping Santana, only to receive a clothesline of retaliation. Wait, Skinner's not in any of the Hall of Fames. We have, we haven't seen him before. We have not seen this. This is our first Skinner sighting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It is our first Skinner. Skinner's uh, like his Sam name is, Hansen Light. <laughs> his name is Steve Kern. Yeah. And he oh, was he's a, one of the doinks, I believe, right? Yeah. He does he, play a doink. Like, I, know that, I know that name. I know there's like three doinks. He's not the main one. Though. No, he's number two. He's, he's number, number two. two. Okay. Yeah. And probably working like house shows when they were doing like B and C shows. Oh, I mean, he's had a, a storied history. I mean, he was a, a big guy back in the day. I can't remember what. He federation a, he was in. He was in the AWA. He was in the Fantastics. I think it was the tag team. Fabulous oh, ones okay. or something like that with something Stan Lane. Like yeah, yeah. He, he was he was with Stan Lane before Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton. Oh, okay. Did their thing. Yeah, that's cool. So we know he can probably work. Back in the day, yeah. He's, he's probably about ten years past when he was a good worker. At yeah. This point. Skinner slaps Santana only to receive a clothesline in retaliation to start us off before the Matador starts running the ropes. Skinner with a leapfrog, but Tito comes back with a flying forearm to send Skinner to the floor. After regrouping for a moment, Skinner is back in, tossing Santana to the ropes, missing a clothesline and a back elbow, and Tito comes back with a body press, but Skinner ducks. 
Berserker goes up to the second rope, coming off with a stomp, which the Matador rolls away in time to make the tag to the Tornado. Von Erichs tosses the ropes, ducks a clothesline, holds onto the ropes while Berserker goes for a dropkick. The Texas Tornado then goes to knock Skinner and Hercules off the apron, but Berserker hits him from behind with a double axe handle. Duggan and Hercules hot tag in, and they are back and forth with right hands until Herc reverses an Irish whip, misses a clothesline, but Berserker grabs Hacksaw by the hair, who then turns to attack the heels in the corner, only to be outnumbered. Berserker with a back elbow, and Mustafa slams Duggan's head into his curly-toed boots, <laughs> locks on the reverse chin lock, only for Hacksaw to escape with elbows and shoulder tackles. But then the colonel regains control with a double thrust to the throat. Duggan's head slammed into the turnbuckle, a back rake, which only wakes Hacksaw up as he backs Mustafa into the corner to deliver mounted punches. After a cheap shot, the colonel looks for a vertical suplex that Duggan blocks and reverses for one of his own. Duggan is kind of like Hulk Hogan like. <laughs> like he'll do he'll do heel stuff, he'll like no sell things and come back. He might do I mean that maybe the, he might have like one or two more moves. the formula for the yeah. faces of yeah. 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 He's like a more concussed Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he, like, I, yeah, now I'm going to have to start counting uh, Duggan bumps. <laughs> Slaughter tags in, delivering an atomic drop and a clothesline for the pin. And Colonel Mustafa is eliminated. Former champion right just there, taken out with just, an atomic drop and a clothesline. Oh, just imagine <laughs> if, he, if he broke Hulk Hogan's leg. <laughs> oh, what a world it would be. Yeah, who knows. <laughs> Hercules and Berserker jump in to double-team, but Sarge fights them off, slamming Berserker's head into a turnbuckle. Irish whip that is reversed, and Berserker's charges in with a clothesline. Slaughter is then Irish whipped hard, chest-first into an opposite corner, and Berserker slams Sarge's head onto the turnbuckle and hits a big boot for a two-count. Herc comes in to continue the attack, throwing Slaughter head-first into the turnbuckle, but Sarge reverses a Berserker Irish whip, but ducks his head, allowing himself to be kicked. Zerker then charges in with a roundhouse ride that slaughter ducks and picks him up to crotch and ride the top rope. There's a lot of tosses and ducks. And, and can you tell none of these guys can work? I mean, the two of them can, but they're on the same team. And like, Kerry Von Erich is potentially the best worker in this match, and he has got one leg. Yeah. I mean, Tito Santana was great. Oh, El, no, I El Matador, that. no. Yeah, but I'm a huge, huge <laughs> Tito fan. Still miss Strike Force. Wish it lasted longer. Nah. Would you say Tito was waving the red flag? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, uh, on here, I wrote Hacksaw, Ho shit, Sarge, America shit, Tornado, Blurry shit, Tito, bullshit. <laughs> Mustafa, from Sheik to shit, Skinner, spit shit, Berserker, <laughs> what the fuck is this shit? And Hercules, I'm not even supposed to be here and nobody remembers a guy I replaced with the shit. Because, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't Honestly, supposed to be I in it either. Honestly, I probably stop there. <laughs> but no, I mean... And someone won. <laughs> uh-huh. I appreciate everything you just said. These were the days in WWF. <laughs> this is a Survivor Series. Yeah. yeah. True. Berserker starts kicking Sarge's legs, but an eye rake and a kick from Slaughter sends Zerker into a, into the splits. Berserker does the splits. You know what's funny is when this started, I was like, did they break up the bushwhackers? And is Berserker one of the bushwhackers? Because he looks like a bushwhacker. 
He could fit in there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he recovers from the splits in time to Irish whip Hacksaw and ducks his head, allowing Duggan to kick and clothesline him out of the ring. Was that the most, like, athletic thing that's happened here? Yes. <laughs> like, the splits, like, probably not a lot of, maybe nowadays, but not a lot of wrestlers doing the splits in 1991. <laughs> Berserker jumps back into the ring, charging at Hacksaw, who then back body drops him right back to the floor. Once back in the ring, Zerker gains control with a headbutt to the lower abdomen, but then Irish whips him into his own quarter and charges in with an avalanche splash, only to find out he tagged in Von Eric. The tornado's throwing right hands, discus punches to Herc and Skinner on the apron, but is then forced into the heel corner by Berserker, where Skinner is holding onto his tights to keep him there. So we get to see some Von Eric booty. Well, there you go. <laughs> Hercules tosses Carrie to the ropes, who leapfrogs Herc twice, only to tag in the Matador to hit a shot to the gut and a flying fist for the pin. And Hercules is eliminated. Hercules has been around for so long, I don't think I've heard anybody, any reaction to him ever. Nope. I mean, aside like from Even on WrestleMania 1. There was hope for, you know, Power and Glory, but... Power and Glory's finisher is still one of the cool, coolest finishers we've yep. seen. Yeah. Skinner tries to break up the pin, but it's too late, so just starts choking Tito. Slamming his head into the turnbuckle, Berserk continues the assault with a clothesline, quick tags by the heels, and Skinner hits a body slam, picking him up for an atomic drop, but Santana reaches out for Slaughter to tag in. Skinner hits the move and goes for an O'Connor roll, still unaware of the tag, as Tito holds onto the ropes, allowing Sarge to cradle Skinner up for the pin. And Skinner is eliminated. Cool. Deuces. Berserker jumps right in, sending Slaughter to the ropes, but he holds on as Zerker tries for another dropkick. Sarge slams Berserker's head into the turnbuckle multiple times, tries for an Irish whip, but Zerker is holding onto the ropes, so Slaughter hits a short arm clothesline, finally completes the Irish whip, and then Irish whips him back in to a hacksaw three-point stance clothesline for the pin and, and the win. win. And if only JR was here, you could tell us where Duggan played football. Oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> we know he would have. <laughs> There's no way he wasn't a football player. Not if you're doing a three-point stance. No. So Texas Tornado, El Matador, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and Sergeant Slaughter are your survivors. Uh, that's, that's pretty crazy that everyone survived. Well, I mean, yeah, that's all yeah. the faces. That was all just a painful faces. match. And like, who are they trying to get over? Uh, Texas Tornado, El Matador, Hacksaw, and Sergeant Slaughter? Yeah. Sergeant Slaughter is a face. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Gorilla at one point at the end says, let's check out highlights of this match. And they showed the pin. And that was the <laughs> highlight of the match is, it's over. Yeah. Mm. I did. I agree with the director's decision. <laughs> yeah. I did find out one other bit of trivia about this one. Ricky Steamboat was supposed to be in it. He was replaced by El Matador. Well, guess what? What? We're all happy that he's not. <laughs> and we talked about him last week. Yeah. yeah, the Steamboat never, like, we all love him. Nobody dislikes Steamboat, but he never stays anywhere long enough. No. It sucks. No. Because, like, he'll, he'll have a great match. He'll have a, a cool feud or whatever, and then the, it's over, and then he's gone for who knows how long. Yep. And then they gave up on his reptile, or reptile angle anyways, so, you know what was used to having him if he can't bring yeah. his kimono dragon down to the ring with him. Mean Gene's then on the stage to interview Jake the Snake Roberts. 
And Roberts keeps promising he meant no harm with that sly smile on his face. Oh, yeah. And Gene calls him a sick man, only for Jake to respond with, thank you very much. He's like, <laughs> yeah, is this like the best heel work we've seen in, in the WWF to, at this point? Where like he seems legitimately menacing. Like Savage is incredible as a heel, but this is different. Yeah, I mean, Jake, Jake is going straight up evil. This is the one where like it feels like no matter how much energy Savage puts into it, he doesn't feel real because yeah. he's he's like Randy Savage. It's a little too much, and that's why we love him. But Jake here just seems like a legitimate fucking prick. Yeah. There's a difference between like Kevin Sullivan at the time, who was more demonic and comedic at the same time, to where it was just like some weird old man standing in his driveway yeah, in a robe, he... spouting out just crazy nonsense. Whereas Jake, when he'd talk, he would just bring you in with a matter of a few words, and the tone of his voice would make you, you know, have goosebumps and yeah. afraid to look out the window. I was legitimately like all this stuff on these two shows. Every time Jake's on the screen, I'm like more invested than like any of the wrestling matches which is kind of a problem roberts continues his promo with you're trying to cast me as the original sinner well i spoke to god this morning and he said he doesn't like you so let's point the finger at somebody else besides me let's point a finger at the people that voted for savage let's point a finger at jack tunney let's point a finger at the wwf not me. The thing in the bag was simply a toy. Something to amuse myself with. I've always been the snake you should worry about. Jake also has like menacing sex energy. <laughs> it's like, it's very bad. Just, yeah. Uh-huh. And he's like, like getting, riding the line of like innuendo. Like where it's not completely obvious, but it feels that way. It feels oh, yeah. dirty. And I was like, he talked to God. I was like, on the phone? Shay got a God phone? <laughs> Robert's 316, right? Yeah, uh, definitely. It's too soon for Jake to be talking to God. <laughs> We're like 20 years too soon. <laughs> Maybe more. That's uh, only about five years. Isn't it 97? Yeah. Oh, is that when he got saved and then started doing drugs again? When Jake came back as I a preacher. I got you. Yeah. I thought you were just talking about him become, becoming a born-again <laughs> Christian in real life. Which that might have been the might that might have been he might have done that at that time, but we all know that he didn't get clean that that try. No. no. Grill and Bobby then send us to a video package where we see on Superstars two weeks prior, Hulk Hogan is in front of a casket okay. with Paul Bearer. And the casket is covered in like Hulkamania stickers and stuff. Ooh. Hulkamania they're trying to kill Hulkamania. Mm-hmm. Somebody's gotta do it. God damn it. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Ric Flair comes out from the backstage area. Flair confronts Hogan. Do you know how long I've been waiting for this moment? Don't be ashamed of those butterflies rumbling in your stomach. And then Rick pulls out the real world title. Is it real blurred? It's real blurred, (laughs) but it was the real title. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can tell because it's the other one's like got so much black on it and it's a different shape. That you know that it's a different title. Even though I didn't know what title it was when they weren't using Big Gold, I knew that it was a different belt. And Rick says, what are you going to do when Ric Flair runs wild on you? And what else would he say? And as Hulk is responding, Undertaker creeps out from be- out of a standing casket. Yeah, it's not the same Hulkamania one. It's just like your generic wooden like 
like Frankenstein movie one. That's Was like he the masked man in the in the Chamber of Horrors? Maybe could have been. Slams the urn Went back for a quick payday over Hogan's head, and then starts choking him along with Ric Flair getting some stomps in. Piper and Savage then run out with chairs in hand. And if you freeze at the right moment, it looks like they just beat up Hogan. <laughs> but they do slam those chairs against Undertaker, but he just stands there impervious to the pain. Taker then reaches down, grabs Hulk's crucifix, and rips it from his neck. Very reminiscent of Andre the Giant. Yeah, but I was like, ooh, this is getting extra spooky. They're bringing his faith into this, and they like, you know, the... the Crucifix is like no longer part of the actual chain of the necklace, and it's just like laying on Hulk's chest, and they like zoom in on it real good. And I'm like, it's kind of, it's a little heavy. At least have Taker react like it's burning him or something. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not a vampire, <laughs> but he's he's the dead man. So like maybe. He's, well, he's not. He's could like he's. Are they calling him the dead man he's yet? He's technically not the dead man. Yeah. I say the dead man sometimes just because yeah, cause everyone knows yeah. who I'm talking about. Yeah. He's trying to remember, did the dead man come after Yokozuna? Probably. I, I don't remember the dead man really until like yeah. right now he's basically ministry time. Yeah. yeah, right now he's basically extra extra goofy extra dude. spooky Mike, Michael Myers or whatever. Extra goofy Michael Myers. Michael Myers uh, in a top hat and a really big tie. I love the black and gray. I know that it's black and purple pretty soon. The black and gray is great. purple in this? No, it's the black and gray with like the. Yeah, the Taker really starts off gray and then after a couple of years transitions to purple it's and then. Of color. Yeah. Yeah, the purple goes, is gray too, but the gray is just like. You gotta start with the gray. Then goes way dark and then comes back as a biker. And, uh, yeah. yeah, the biker thing. Oops. The badass. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Spoilers <laughs> for 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spoilers, Kid Rock was over at some point. <laughs> so was his uh, buddy. Exactly. Uncle? <laughs> yeah, Uncle Cracker. <laughs> oh, Uncle Cracker, okay. It's like, which one? The, 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 the little person? No, he knew it. Yeah, oh yeah. That Uncle Cracker song is like one of the worst things that's ever fucking happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll never forgive Kid Rock for Uncle Cracker, just like I'll never forgive Usher for Justin Bieber. Oh. I'll take <clears> Justin Bieber. Yeah, I Cracker said it, world. <laughs> you can uh, submit all those uh, complaints to... Yeah, and we're gonna dox. We're gonna dox the chain. <laughs> Email address. So we head off to our third match: The Undertaker with Paul Bearer versus Hulk Hogan. And this is where we do the the spit take or the record scratch. That's what happened when I found out that this was the next match for the WWF Heavyweight Championship. The gravest challenge. Yeah, but you're gonna tell me that they have a an actual main event later? They must. They're going to put the championship <laughs> match as the third match. I know. Right? Is, I feel Obvi- like obviously, is, something is planned. Yeah, this is just like right? Hulk, Hulk stuff, right? Where it's like, oh, well, if what's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's not happening at the end of the show. Cause <laughs> Maybe we'll only get five minutes of posing instead of 15. So this would be the first singles match in Survivor Series history. And I was excited about that part of, yeah. <laughs> of it, for sure. So Hogan comes down to the ring, and there's a casket set up at ringside, and he just pushes it over onto the floor. Yeah, just, you know. Because I'm Hogan, you know, I guess. <laughs> they get into the ring, and Taker pushes Hulk back into the corner and charges in for a clothesline that 
Hogan sidesteps. Hulk is tossed to the ropes, ducks a clothesline, but comes back for Undertaker to hit a shoulder tackle, and Hogan rolls out to regroup. Taker with a choke hold, pushes Hulk back to a corner, and starts delivering right hands. More chokes. Paul Bearer even gets into the action with a choke, while the ref is distracted. I love at the beginning of this match, Gorilla Monsoon is like, you know, putting it over when they're still like, you know, haven't touched yet, and he says something about both men being approximately the same size, which I thought was... Very, very funny. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, obviously Undertaker is quite a bit taller. A little bit. Body slammed by the Undertaker, goes for an elbow drop, but Hogan moves and gets a second win to hit some right hands. A clothesline, but Taker doesn't go down, so Hulk tries for a body slam, but the dead man can't be lifted. Multiple eye rakes, an axe bobber from Hogan, chops, slams Taker's head into a multiple turnbuckle and hits a clothesline to send The Undertaker over the top rope to the floor, where he lands on his feet. Yeah, that was a really, real cool spot. This is an agile taker. The dead man then grabs Hulk by the feet, dragging him to the outside, and slams his head into the steel steps, begins choking him with a TV cord, while Bearer distracts the ref. Back in the ring, Undertaker continues the attack with more chokes, and Paul Bearer again joins in. Earn chops. Earn slams. <laughs> There's a fan in the background that's trying to get the crowd going for Hogan. Oh, is that the guy dressed like Hulk Hogan? He's dressed like Hogan. Yeah. Is that the same guy that dresses Hogan for all those years? Or Probably. I'm wondering if this is the first sighting of the it, extreme Hogan fan. It could be. Uh, he's pretty extreme, as we'll find out later. He means it. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, oh, like, because later on, like, even today on, like, WWF, there's those, like, crowd guys. Like, there's the hat guy from ECW, and now there's, like, the green shirt goatee guy that's been, like, at every single WWF event, like, in the front. And I just can't think. It's like, how much money does this guy have? And can he get a different t-shirt? It's kind of like the Marlins guy in baseball games. Oh, yeah. Like, he's front row for every, every World Series game, every playoff game. It's just like, he's flying all across the country, buying front row. T- I'm just like, my favorite one is um, there's a like middle-aged Japanese lady that goes to sumo matches, but she kind of looks like Susan Sarandon, and people refer to her as Sumo Sarandon. <laughs> you'll you'll see her once we get Basho's back, but uh, it's pretty great. Sumo Sarandon is a real one. She's not always in the same spot, but you'll catch her. She's in the, at least like the you know the the front, the stuff that the camera can catch. <laughs> yeah, and that's just like what it. people named her on Reddit. I'm pretty sure the Japanese are not calling her Sumo Sarandon. <laughs> Taker looks to have locked on the claw, taking Hogan down to the mat for multiple two counts. He is a dead man from Texas, and you have to be from Texas to do the claw, otherwise I don't accept it. <laughs> that's a good point. It seems that Hogan is passed out, but he begins to hulk up, removes the claw, multiple kicks to the breadbasket, and comes off the ropes with multiple shoulder tackles that knock Taker back to the ropes. And Undertaker comes back with a flying clothesline. Taker picks up Hogan for the tombstone piledriver, but Hulk stands right up. Mm, Don't like that. Multiple right hands, finally gets Taker to a knee for a second, and then gives an eye rake and calls for the body slam. Ric Flair is then shown walking down to the ring. As Hogan hits the body slam... Goes to run the ropes, but Paul Bearer slows him up, and Hulk is distracted while the dead man stands up. Hogan's then distracted by Flair over the timekeeper's table, and so he rolls out to the outside to lay out the nature boy. 
Back in the ring, Hulk tosses Undertaker, hits the big boot, and goes to run the ropes for the leg drop. But again, Bear grabs at his foot to slow him up, and Hogan's dragging Paul up onto the apron when Taker comes from behind with a right hand and a tombstone pile driver onto a chair that Flair has placed in the ring for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And, and new! Hey, it's my first and new. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it was really hard to do, not in person. <laughs> I was like, be like, Ooh. so they're, uh, you know, it's probably at least comedic, but I got so nervous with the leg drop, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, you probably knew it was going to happen. I had a feeling it was going to happen, but you know, good wrestling is when you, you know, what's going to happen, but you get, you get dragged in anyway. Does anyone else feel like they botched the, the ending of this match? Uh, what? Yeah. I think that, I think that he got Bear, hurt on that fire. Bear grabs his foot the first time. I think that Paul thought that they were going to the finish then oh, because yeah. they literally repeat the same exact thing like literally a yeah. minute later. That's that true. is weird. I'm pretty sure Hulk took that tombstone a little rough. He deserved it. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to see taking. anybody get dropped on their head, but uh, you know, he, he if anybody's going to get dropped on their head, uh, Hulk he and his, his, it's like karma. It's like if you, you refuse to do so many bumps... Like he most definitely didn't get dropped on his head though. If you watch, yeah. yeah, it's it's clearly there's a good six inches there, but yeah, supposedly he bumped his shoulder or locked his neck or something on Taker's knee on the way down. Or I mean, he definitely probably hadn't taken a tombstone in a long time, <laughs> unless they've been working house shows. Ever. Yeah, but if they were working house shows, Hogan was still probably getting over. They were probably doing a version of this right. match. Probably doing a bunch of double counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like everything but that happened here but the finish. So post-match, the officials come out to check on the Hulkster in the ring. And Gorilla is worried that he may have broken his neck. While Heenan's loving every moment of it. <laughs> including making fun of kids crying in the crowd. <laughs> but you know who else is crying? Michael Temple wasn't crying. <laughs> Definitely not. No, the Hulk guy. We were just talking about. <laughs> oh, he's like wiping. He's, he's wiping his eyes and like you know, like doubled over, like on the uh, like steel barricade. I was like, man, this guy is definitely an adult. <laughs> so I was like, I was like that's a somehow. weird. That's a like. I mean, a movie will get me every once in a while, and I know that's fake, but Hulk Hogan, the biggest mark of all. <laughs> he, that guy. Yeah, he's got it on tape for the rest of his life. <laughs> Hogan finally gets up and out of the ring. And slowly makes his way back to the locker room. Yeah, they, he really does milk it. Which is good for Taker. I mean, he's too hurt to pose, so yeah. walk and slowly to at least soak up those extra yeah. few seconds of camera time. But everyone heard the cheers, right? Yeah, Taker, Taker, Taker did get cheers. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, Hulk's definitely still more over, but people, there are people that are over Hulkmania at this point and it is pretty count three of them right here like, yeah. I, I definitely was at that time already so yeah we go to the back Mean Gene's there and he can't believe that the Undertaker's champion now and then I Roddy, can't believe it wasn't the main event for fuck's sake Jesus I'm so, so mad about that and at least it, like if you want to get Taker over like you're, you're still gonna you're giving him a belt that's one thing but why would you not make it what would make you want to watch this Tuesday in Texas even more if this is not the initial. Here, here's, here's the spoiler for the main event. Vince McMahon likes to send his crowds home happy. Taker some the, was some the, the heel. Some of the crowd was happy. Taker was the heel. I know, I know. Yeah. I mean, I know this is a face territory, but... 
wholesome family holiday fun. <laughs> Gotta be happy ending. Roddy Piper then shows up and says anything can happen in the Survivor Series and makes the analogy of Undertaker becoming champion like David Duke becoming president. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild. I was like, did he say David Duke? <laughs> like, okay. yeah. He was in the running for president at the time. Oh, I guess, yeah. I didn't... I wasn't aware of that. I mean, that was... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. offensive, that or blackface? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, uh, my first thing when he, when he brought up... When he was talking shit on David Duke, which uh, I wholeheartedly have, have a disdain for uh, David Duke, but Roddy Piper was in blackface like a year and a half ago. Yeah. The only thing I like about David Duke was that Topher Grace played him in... Oh, and you don't like Topher Grace? No, I love Topher Grace. Oh. That's what I'm just saying. The only thing I like about David Duke is... is hey, somebody did a good job of yeah. playing him. It was a great movie. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one in the theater. I liked it quite a bit. We then go to Sean Mooney in the locker room, and he's with Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect. And Perfect says, Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, Hulkamania finally had to bust. Hulkamania's <laughs> dead. Long live the taker. And Flair also says, what did you think was going to happen? When I arrived here, I told Hogan face to face. Yeah. In, in my notes, uh, I was like, Hulk guy crying? Is that a plant? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, is that real? Like, I wrote, Flair even bleeds when he talks. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was just talking and apparently bit his tongue to the point that it made him bleed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're testing, they're about to start testing for steroids, which... I don't know that Flair has ever been a steroid guy, but we know that uh, there's no way in hell he wasn't a cocaine guy. So biting that tongue is <laughs> probably uh, not the first time. We go back to Mean Gene, and he tells us that Jack Tunney and Hulk Hogan are having discussions, and then Earthquake, Typhoon, IRS, and Jimmy Hart join him. And all of them just start yelling about Jack Tunney's decision to not allow Jake Roberts to compete. But they're going to win their match. You know what? I miss the earthquake jump. Earthquake promos were great when he did his little jump. Oh, yeah. As he, I love as it. As he yeah. got more serious, he would yeah. shake a little bit harder. Uh-huh. Where he was Yeah, he's like hopping back, back and, and forth. And I was like, that's a yep. pretty, yeah, I mean, he's not. Keeping he's the tremors still, active. He was a pretty agile big man. And definitely more fun to watch, even though he came, he was not as menacing as, like, King Kong Bundy. But, like, I'd rather watch an earthquake match. Yes. I like earthquake. That's what I'm all, all I'm trying to say. I'm pro pro quake. We then go back to Mooney who's with the Legion of Doom and Big Boss Man. And Hawk states that Roberts considered himself the luckiest man on the face of this planet. When we are done with you, you will have been reduced to the equivalence of a pile of soggy and soiled and fly covered sweat socks. <laughs> Which he's just, he really just, it's like, oh, I can't change shit on television. And then Sean Mooney all of a sudden gets some breaking news in his ear, but Hawk stops him, telling him to never interrupt <laughs> before proceeding with a, oh, what a rush. Yeah, he's got to get it in. You have to. Yeah. We then go back to Mean Gene, and President Jack Tunney has joined him, and Tunney lets us know that the referee's decision is final. But it is in my authority to order a rematch at the earliest possible date. Therefore, the rematch will take place at this Tuesday in Texas, and I will be ringside to ensure a fair and just outcome. 
What, what a, a coincidence. Idea. Yeah. The, uh, also, I, this is the most Jack Tunney we've seen on a pay-per-view, that's for sure. Oh, way too much Tunney. We've only had to deal with Tunney like one time before. My assumption is that he was on TV maybe more often, or is he just kind of like... I think they basically just started using him more as a way to... Do things like this. Yeah. Build up heels. Yeah. They'd have like a pre-recorded promo or something where, you know, this message in this week from WWF President Jack Tunney, and yeah, it'd just be him sitting at a desk doing a presidential address and boring the crowd. Yeah. I mean, what you see with Jack Tunney is what you get. Hated him then. It was still just as painful to watch him now, 30 years later. Just He's being diplomatic. He's no uh, Mr. McMahon. No. He's, he's, the, he's like the, the face president. Yeah, he's... So we hit October. Uh, wet sock. <laughs> <laughs> I just like how they did so much back and forth on the interviews there. Start with Mean Gene, Piper, then you jump to Mooney, then it's back to Mean Gene, then it's back to Mooney, oh then it's God, back to yeah. Mean Gene... But like that's you guys still talked than, about that at one point where it was like it was 20 only, minutes. Like, yeah, SummerSlam, it was literally like 20 <laughs> minutes of back and forth. Yeah, for I'm okay with it if they're entertaining. Yeah. It's like, it, like, it's better than one of the matches we've seen. Yeah. I could see the point of it if they're, you know, tearing down a cage or something, but... Yeah, like, for the audience, like for the audience, I feel <laughs> terrible. It's like, what the hell are they doing? I guess that's just an extended... Like it's not like E-break? they have a titantron at this point that they're showing all this stuff, things to the crowd in this. Yeah, I mean they they probably have the arena, so they, I'm just like, they not have like maybe the you know nope bas- not even back yeah nope <laughs> not, not quite yet. I don't think they had anything showing any of this. Stuff. I know like you know you had the well maybe not I don't know I went to some basketball games as a kid in Sacramento but my dad would always buy cheap seats and then bring binoculars but I imagine that they also had the the screen I don't remember exactly. No, I mean. Going to like, the, at least to the house shows that I went to in the 80s and early 90s, they didn't have that. I mean, that didn't really kick in until Raw and Nitro went live to where they yeah. they had to step it up to have big, something that showed up the other stuff. one. Because the WWF house shows I went to in like 98, 99, like at the Myriad Garden, of course there wasn't. You know, yeah. there was, like it was, it was a super old venue that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. They definitely did not have a live feed. So we're headed off to our fourth match. The Beverly Brothers of Bo and Blake, and the Nasty Boys of Jerry Sags and Brian Nobbs, with the Genius and Jimmy Hart, versus the Bushwhackers of Butch and Luke, and the Rockers of Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. There's my boys. Uh, but what's the deal with the Beverlys? We haven't seen the Beverlys. We haven't seen the Beverlys mm-hmm. before. But you know who also we haven't seen in a while? The Genius. I guess we haven't. It's been since WrestleMania 6, really? which is all the way back in episode 44, and Blake Beverly, we have seen him before, as the masked skyscraper oh, gosh. at Wrestle War 1990, Ooh. which was episode 43. Was that, was that with him, was he with Sid, or was he with... Uh, Dangerous Danny. Or, yeah, old Danny Spivey. So I guess... Sid just wasn't was hurt at the time or something. Uh, no, that was the Undertaker actually. It was Mark Calloway. Oh, okay. Because Dangerous right. Danny had already left and mm. Sid was hurt. Yeah. So it was me, Mark, and the Mass Skyscraper. Yeah, because he had like basically like three pay per view matches in WCW before he came over here, and he ended up kind of being the lifer, kind of like how Sting was to the WCW until there wasn't a WCW. Like, I mean, Mark was 
in the territory and then WCW for a sh- short amount of time. But like, I don't know that anybody's been a working like WWF talent no. for as long as him. There's plenty of people in the back that have been there that long or much longer, honestly. But as far as workers go, Howard Fink. Yeah, yeah. The Fink. Yep. R.I.P. And you know, you got your Briscoes. And Patterson, been but there. the Briscoes worked at Starcade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Patterson was let go at one point. Was he? Yep. They all get let go, but they all get hired back. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to think: is there a WWF guy that never showed up in WCW? Um, Sting, Sting was WCW through his entire career, career until, until, until there. there wasn't a yeah. WCW. Brawler. I mean, I'm not talking <laughs> about like guys now. No, I'm saying Brooklyn Brawler. Yeah. Oh, Steve Lombardi, that's yeah. true. I'm trying to think if he ever did anything over in the NWA, WCW I side mean, before I he... Guess technically Shawn Michaels and yeah. Bret Hart. Oh. Well, well no, Hart went. Bret, Bret Hart went. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, Bret, Bret Hart went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, big deal, like, yeah, right after the screw job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because unfortunately Bret Hart's career was dog shit afterwards. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Yeah, Shawn Michaels. Definitely. guys in this match? Uh, Triple H. No, Triple H, H was over in WCW before. Oh, really? He was uh, Jean. It was close to Jean his Paul, name. Yeah. Jean Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Jean Paul Le- 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 Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that his, like his? That's his like real last name, right? Or close to it? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. His last name's like something. It's got a L and a Q in it. I think his real name is Paul Jean or something like that. Yeah. He went by Jean Paul. Just swapped it up. Yeah. Because I remember I was at the the debut of Triple H on Raw. Oh. And he walked out and was like, "That's." Can't the remember. guy. Yeah. We're, we're, literally, we're literally months away from. Yeah. And that's like when he's, when he's doing the, like, <laughs> his, fancy, his fancy boy uh, gimmick. Before the terror rises. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, that, was his first, that was his first gimmick was uh, terror rising. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And it was it's right T- up there with. T-E-R-R-A-R-Y-Z-I-N-G. Jesus. Terror rising. That's up there with the great and powerful Oz. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the other one that was right after Oz? The... Vinny Vegas. Vinny Vegas. No, 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 not for him, but oh. like there was another thing where like, are they putting over another movie ad on TNT? Oh. There was another There was another thing about that bad. I'm trying to remember what you guys were talking about. I don't think it was Van Hammer. Although Van Hammer is kind of fun. At least that only match that I watched. I'm going completely blank. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's get to this match. It's got to end sometime. So this match gets going with a knee to the gut and an eye rake by Nobbs, but Luke retaliates with a pair of knees himself, and then the Bushwhackers hit a double-team clothesline on Brian. Sags jumps in the ring to receive a face plant from Luke, and the Bushwhackers hit a double noggin knocker on the Nasty Boys, followed by a double-team clothesline on both to send them to the floor. The Beverly's jump in, and the Bushwhackers just continue to attack by Irish whipping the brothers into each other, followed by a battering ram on them both. The Rockers then jump in to hit stereo drop kicks on the Nasty Boys who have rolled back in, and the faces have cleared the ring. At least it was a hot start to the match. Yeah, yeah. totally. Like, you know, Rockers, if I don't get at least one stereo, uh, drop, stereo kick. drop kick, like, <laughs> then, then what are we even doing here? Exactly. Stereo drop kick and a kip up is all I'm asking for. Yeah. It's not that much. No. After regrouping, Bo is in the ring with Sean, shoving him, hitting a cheap shot in the corner. A headbutt goes for an Irish whip that is reversed, and Michaels charges into the corner, only to receive a back elbow. 
Bo then tosses Sean to the ropes, ducks his head, and allows Michaels to hit a swinging neckbreaker. But then Bo, with an inverted atomic drop, a backbreaker, Knobs attempts an elbow drop that Sean rolls away from and starts running the ropes to hit a flying knee. Luke in with a flurry of offense, an Irish whip that's reversed, and Brian goes for an avalanche splash, but the bushwhacker moves for Knobs to hit head first on the turnbuckle. Luke plays to the crowd for a moment, allowing Brian to climb to the second rope to come off with a flying clothesline for the pin. Bushwhacker Luke is eliminated. Oh, we get one cheer. Oh, okay. Do we get two cheers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a... I'm sorry. I let out the sarcastic, aww. Yeah. You didn't dance same, around your... Same sentiment, yeah. No. Nope. Doing your bushwhacker dance? Never have, never will. I'll even I make mean, it's a... fun for kids, I guess. I, I made a note about somebody else doing that little bushwhacker thing in this match, and it hasn't happened yet, hasn't I don't think. Sean tosses knobs to the ropes, <laughs> ducks his head, allowing Brian to hit a double axe handle across the back, and sags with a vertical suplex. Hey, did you guys know about this Tuesday in Texas? Oh no, tell me all about if it. If not, Gorilla and Brian <laughs> and the Brain, let's know all about it. It's crazy, like, I, I don't think, there's no way they've ever done a pay-per-view this close to each other again. Like, no. This is wild. Not till... Was there like a holiday that Tuesday or something? Like, I know it's... Thanksgiving, but still. Not until like 20, 2004. I think it was the next time they try and do something. Something that close together. Something close. It's crazy. It's like I can see that if it's with like the network or whatever. And even then it's still silly. But yeah. like if you're in like a big market and you have like a SummerSlam and then like you're like, okay, well, we're going to capitalize this on having another big show while we're down here in like whatever big, you know, metropolitan area. I don't know. I guess that's what takeovers are now these days. <laughs> Too much talent. Shoulder blocks in the corner by Jerry. Irish whips Michaels to the opposite corner, following in with a back elbow to no one. As Sean has jumped over the ropes to the apron, goes up to the top and comes off with a crossbody for a two count. Hip tossed by Michaels, the rockers start working on Sags' arm until Jerry starts running the ropes, only to be hip tossed multiple times by Marty and back to the arm lock until Sags can get to his corner for the tag. Blake is in to head slam Janetti into a turnbuckle. Snapmare, next snap, Irish whip, and but ducks his head, so Marty flips over him and hits a reverse thrust kick for a two count. Janetti tries for a Fujiwara armbar, but gets pushed back into the corner by Blake, and then is Irish whipped, but reversed into a drop toehold. Marty picks up Blake to his feet, looks for a suplex, but the Beverly just picks him to set him on the top turnbuckle, hits a double punch, and then the ref moves him out of the quarter, allowing Janetti to leapfrog over him when Blake charges in. But Marty accidentally hits the ref, allowing Blake to come from behind with multiple double accents. Dude, Marty. Yeah, and it's like it's like oh, like Marty's doing all this work for Blake to do a couple of axe handles. Come on. Janetti's Irish whip to the corner. Blake follows it up with a gut wrench suplex. Again, tosses Marty to the ropes but the two men bump heads for a double KO. Bush is in with right hands on Bo, knocking him down with a forearm. Clothesline on both Beverly's and goes to continue the attack on Bo, but Blake with a double axe handle from behind. The Beverly's then hit the shaker height spike, which is a flapjack into the air, and is then caught with a kneeling head spike by the other for the pin. It looks cool. I did not catch the name of it. Not the greatest name. 
Actually, I don't think they say it on the show. Yeah, no. just what it is. I was trying to remember because when I watched it, yeah, I wrote down that that finisher was sick. Where's Shaker I totally Heights? Forgot is that how... like a neighborhood in Beverly Hills, Hills, I guess. Beverly Hills, yeah. yeah, I think so. Is this pre this is pre nine zero two one zero, right? Uh, this was nine zero two one zero was happening at this time, I believe. Yeah, I think it started ninety one. I think it come on by now, yeah. Bushwhacker Butch is eliminated. Cool with that. Woo! Marty starts working over Bo. Irish whip followed by a monkey flip and a hurricanrana for a two count. Janetti is tossed to the ropes. Bo ducks his head and Marty goes to kicking, but the Beverly catches his foot, so Janetti hits an insiguri. Hip toss on Blake. The rockers start working the arm until a headbutt by him on Sean begins to choke him on the ropes, and Nobbs joins in on the fun. Blake then drapes Michaels across the top rope, and Bo leapfrogs him to land with his full body weight across the back of Sean. Bo then tosses Michaels to the floor, where Nobbs rams him hard into the apron. Bo then drags him back out to hit a back elbow, elbow drop, a backbreaker, goes for a second one, but Sean flips out of it and takes Bo over with a backslide pin. And Bo Beverly is eliminated. Nobbs then tosses Michaels to the ropes, ducks his head, so Sean goes for a sunset flip for a two count. Sean's going to his corner, but Sags breaks up any tag attempt. But Gorilla mentions Marty may not have even been trying too hard to tag in. What's up with that, Marty? <laughs> Is Gorilla trying to stir up trouble? I guess so. I feel like it's too early. Too early for a, for a double cross. I don't like it. Rocking the rocker boat? Mm-hmm. Michaels is thrown over the top rope by Jerry, but he lands on the apron and gets back into the ring to hit a drop kick to the back of Sags to send him to the floor. Sean then hits a flying clothesline from the apron onto Jerry and a super kick on Knobs before rolling Sags back in. Michaels then climbs the top rope, goes for a crossbody, but Jerry is up to clotheslining in mid-air. Rough. Leg drop by Blake, rubber band slam... Tosses Sean to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Michaels to kick him. Sean then crawls to his corner for the... Hot tag! Marty's going bananas on everybody. Flying back elbow on knobs, snapmare, but an eye rake slows the momentum, only for Blake to be hip-tossed when he comes in, and Janetti locks the arm lock back on. Gotta love a hot tag into an arm lock. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's like, come on. You could have gave me like another ten seconds of... You know, like, like just just give another another drop kick. I was like, no, where's the drop kick? Exactly. Yeah. Blake goes to toss Marty to the ropes, but he rolls out of it, ducks the charging Beverly, and goes for an O'Connor roll, which Blake is too strong for while holding onto the ropes. So Janetti flips him over for a sunset flip for a near fall. Blake's right back with a headbutt, knobs in with a double axe handle, slams Marty's head into a turnbuckle, followed by a hard Irish whip to the corner and a body slam. Sags with a pump handle slam, a bat suplex. Brian climbs up to the second rope to attempt a splash, but Janetti gets his knees up, and he begins to slow crawl to his <laughs> corner for the... Hot tag! That was quick. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to get splashed by either of the nasty boys. No. no. Sean's in with right hands, a clothesline on knobs, right hand to Jerry, flips Blake into the ring... Everybody's now in there. The Rockers Irish whip the Nasty Boys into Beverly. Marty's picking up Sags for a body slam as Michaels slides underneath a Knobs clothesline attempt. 
but Jerry's legs hit Sean right in the face for him to fall over Brian, who cradles him for a pin. And Shawn Michaels is eliminated. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, and it was a cool, cool little combo. I mean, something interesting happened the... in this match. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> it was just kind of like a out of, spur of the moment. Yeah, like, it felt out, out of nowhere. nowhere yeah. I mean, that's what. It caught me off guard. Cool. I was like, oh, wait, what? Rewind? Michaels gets up and he is heated. Pissed. Yelling at Marty. Janetti's trying to calm him down, but Sean shoves him. But then starts encouraging, telling, you got this. Yeah. Go get it. The nasty boys then start working over Marty. Knobs slamming his head into the turnbuckle and whips Janetti to the corner, charging in to receive a boot to the head, followed by a faceplant. Sags then throws Marty over the top rope to the floor. Blake drags him back in to hit a power slam, but instead of going for a cover, he picks Janetti's head up. What a heel. <laughs> This is the first time we've seen the Beverly's. I don't know anything. It's just it. I mean, I'm not asking. I'm just like, like, oh, like they're not good or bad here. Yeah, they hadn't really been around long enough to have established yeah. themselves too much. I mean, one of them was a masked skyscraper. That's really <laughs> yeah. who you need to know. About. Yeah, and they have the, I know. It's I mean, just weird. It's like, like they have the genius as their manager. So yeah, it's like, are you really trying to get them, them over in at all? A funky spot. What I would have liked to see here is just. The Rockers versus the Nasty Boys, but, you know, yeah. can't always get what you want. Knobs has Marty in an arm wrench, but Janetti's springboard flips himself out of it, slides underneath Brian to the floor, and grabs the, his boots to drag him out, slamming Knobs' head on the apron before running him into the ring post, and then delivers a super kick to Sags, followed by a top rope crossbody onto both Nasty Boys on the floor. Marty climbs up to the apron, only for Blake to grab him, when Janetti drops down and under Beverly, tosses him to the ropes, and face plants Blake. The Nasty Boys are back in the ring. They go for a double-team clothesline that Marty ducks, and comes back off the ropes to hit a ducking knobs, and goes for an inside cradle on Sags, but the ref is dealing with Blake, which allows Brian to roll Jerry on top of Janetti for the pin... And the win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Nasty Boys and Blake Beverly <laughs> are your survivors. Uh, yeah, well, the Rockers are cool, right, guys? Oh, I love the Rockers. I mean, I don't. I mean, <laughs> and I don't hate the Nasty Boys. I just find it comical that Gorilla totally missed Shawn Michaels getting pinned, and then started talking about how he walked out on his team. Yeah, got over it quickly, but yeah, he totally like they. There was no communication between the backstage and the the uh, the commentators to to clear that up. So literally, there's like what they were trying to get over <laughs> in this whole match exists for this one thing, and they fucked it up. Yeah, like you still get the idea, but it's not handled correctly. There are literally two spots in this entire show: the tombstone pile driver on the chair, mm-hmm. and Michael's getting knocked over by this. By the nasty boy to get pinned. That's the only two spots. That, I mean, like, that, could, that and... probably was planned ahead of time. Like this is what we need done oh, to okay. tell a okay. story. Yeah, it's like yeah, like the. But yeah, it's like well, you know, Janetti flies all over the place, and so does Michaels. But uh, <laughs> you know, they're gonna they're gonna do that anyway. Yeah, Survivor Series, guys. Survivor <laughs> Series. And then uh, Grill sells us some this Tuesday in Texas a little bit more because. 
It, it's next Tuesday, guys. Yeah, it's like, what, two days from six, now? Is six this a Saturday? Six or days away. Yeah. Okay. That's six right, because this was on a Wednesday, the day yeah, before Thanksgiving. Oh, it's it Wednesday, because it's, yeah, Thanksgiving. It was the next Tuesday. So we're headed off to our fifth match, The Natural Disasters, Earthquake and Typhoon, and Erwin R. Scheister with Jimmy Hart versus the big boss man and Legion of Doom of Hawk and Animal. IRS takes the mic to let us know that there are not any bigger tax cheats than Big Boss Man and Legion of Doom. And this is a three on two. Three on three. Three on three. Wait. Boss Man and Legion of Doom. Oh. Oops, missed the Boss Man. <laughs> it would have been really fun if it was three on two. And then I still would put my money on Legion of Doom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would be the, the fun thing to do, to try to get LOD over. I mean, I'm... They don't ever get over WWF they like they. Yeah, but they don't get over. It's not the same as like the '80s. So the match gets going. Bossman takes IRS back to a corner to start, but Shyster with a cheap knee to the gut takes control to send Big Bossman to the ropes, where he slides under IRS, trips him up from the floor, and goes to climb to the top rope, where he slips. So he just goes back into the ring to deliver a headbutt, a hard Irish whip, goes for a second one that's reversed. The boss man slides out of the ring while IRS charges into the turnbuckle. Big boss man then rolls back into the ring to try a clothesline that Shyster ducks and turns only to receive a big boot. I think there was another botch there as well. I mean, obviously the one where he slips. Yeah. yeah. To, but IRS literally just like stands in the corner waiting for boss man to get back in the ring. <laughs> He's like, all right, what do I do? Uh, come on, bud. Big Uppercut sends IRS to his corner to tag in Earthquake, and he wants Animal. So the Road Warrior comes into the ring, is tossed to the ropes where Animal ducks a clothesline, comes back with a crossbody for Quake to catch him with a backbreaker. Earthquake then tries for a splash, but the Road Warrior moves. Animal with a drop kick goes for an Irish whip that is reversed, so the Road Warrior has to duck a clothesline and comes back with a flying shoulder tackle to knock Quake to the mat. First time. Hawk and IRS trading blows until the Road Warrior military presses Irwin into Typhoon, but the big man catches him only for Hawk to drop kick them both down. Elbow drop on That's Typhoon. That's spot, right? Spot number three? Spot number three. <laughs> Elbow drop on Typhoon causes him to stagger over to the wrong corner for Big Boss Man and Animal to pummel him with right hands. Then Hawk just lets him escape the attack to make the tag. Like, literally, he's, like, going at him, and he's just like, I guess uh, I'm done attacking him, so <laughs> runs off yeah. to the other corner to make a attack. Like, Give me somebody else. Hawk and Earthquake lock up, but Quake just picks him up, taking him to their corner. But the Road Warrior escapes with a back suplex of IRS, followed by a falling fist. Bossman takes over with a body guillotine of Shyster, steps on his tie as Erwin tries to escape to the outside. Earthquake comes around ringside to cause a distraction, allowing Typhoon to toss IRS's briefcase into him, which he slams across Big Boss Man's head for the pin. Big Boss Man is eliminated. Seems kind of like he's the first one to go, but, I mean, he's just the third for LOD, really, so. That's very true. Yep. Disasters attack Animal with double teams. Quake with a bear hug and a belly-to-belly suplex for a two-count. IRS with a wishbone leg drop on Animal kicks to send the Road Warrior to the wrong corner where the disasters are there with more double-team action. 
Typhoon with a bear hug, Irish whip, charges in. The animal gets a boot up and charges out for a clothesline of his own. Hawk in with right hands to the disasters, flying shoulder tackle to Typhoon, looks to go for mounted punches, but IRS comes in to knock Hawk to the mat. Typhoon is then holding the road warrior, while Earthquake hands the briefcase to Shyster again, who he goes to hit Hawk, but he ducks and Typhoon is down. So Hawk makes the cover for the pin, and Typhoon is eliminated. I mean, if it wasn't Bossman first, it was Typhoon first. Yep. Agreed. Quake comes into the ring to check on Typhoon, and then turns and points at Erwin. Starts yelling at him, saying he is done with Shyster, and the natural disasters lead to the back together. Earthquake is then counted out and eliminated. How climactic. Face turn? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm he trying to more, remember. he's like current uh, ring gear makes him look more face than the Road Warriors and more face than he was previously. So back in the ring, Hawk with a drop kick to IRS, a knee lift, a power slam, head slam into a turnbuckle, Irish whip charging in only for Shyster to move, and the Road Warrior goes shoulder first into the ring post. Erwin hits of multiple elbow drops, tosses Hawk to the floor, and follows out to throw the Road Warrior into the steel steps. After rolling back in, Iris hits a back elbow, tosses Hawk to the ropes, and the two men collide for the double KO. Shyster's the first one back up and tries for a vertical suplex, but the Road Warrior reverses for one of his own. Animals in with a flying shoulder tackle, a power slam, LOD with a double team clothesline, but Erwin rolls out of the ring and looks like he's going to head back to the locker room, only for Big Boss Man to come back out, forcing IRS to make his way back to the ring. Animal hits clubbing forearms across the chest of Shyster on the apron, a vertical suplex to bring him back into the ring, and Hawk comes off the top rope with a flying clothesline. Animal covers for the pin, and the win. Legion of Doom are your survivors. Yeah, all, all of that happened. <laughs> At all, I saw it. I saw it. I watched saw it. it. I, watched it. I saw it. Yeah. yeah. Everybody saw it. We go to Sean Mooney in the back, and he said he just left Hogan's dressing room. And Hulk has vowed to win the title back this Tuesday in Texas. This is why I think Hogan might have been like hurt, because why would they not have a go-home promo from him? To sell the show, you had to sell it. They're selling the injury. I guess so. I mean, that's. I guess he's been rushed to the hospital for medical attention. But how many times they do the smart thing? Medical facility. Sorry, (laughs) medical facility. Gorilla and the Brain talk some more about the next show, and they suddenly get word that Mean Gene has found the Undertaker. Where could he possibly be? He's standing in a dark room, surrounded by fog. Not quite sure where he is, but it's obviously like basement, boiler room. Yeah. Bear says, nothing is immortal, not even Hulkamania. It died right here this very evening, and normally when something dies, you hold the services almost immediately, but not in the case of Hulkamania. We all hold him over in the embalming room of my funeral parlor, and sometime between now and Tuesday, we will eviscerate him. I was hoping to get your Paul Bear impersonation, but that's asking a lot from anybody. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah. Also, like, 
Well, you you got a good one, but uh, nobody actually wants to hear it. It's hard enough. Like, it's great when you see it. <laughs> Undertaker then continues with, let me enlighten you on what is in store for Hulkamania. And he lifts a coffin door. Creak. <laughs> it dies at Survivor Series. Now the only thing left is this Tuesday, the burial. And we fade to black. Yeah. I think that this was shot. I think you can, like, it's, it's dark, obviously. But I think you can see some, like, stadium seats. Like, they shot this earlier in the day with, like, the lights off. Because I feel like I could see, like, you know, like a chair with, like, the seat up. <laughs> on like the back like I guess would be the right side of the screen with the uh, gorilla not gorilla mean gene so mm-hmm. we'll go to our guest first in that yeah of course Shane O'Mac what are your overall thoughts of Survivor Series 1991 initial thoughts or, or rewatch thoughts and you don't have to be fun <laughs> no no well I mean that's the fun part you know growing up as I said at the beginning of all this I was a a huge supporter of Survivor Series. It was one of the events that I looked forward to each year, and you did enlighten me by tell it by like by just breaking up the whole weekly jobber thing and actually getting to see the guys in the ring against each other. Yeah, uh, like so. Yeah, if that was the case, yeah, like, I, mean, I could see this much having much more impact than going back and watching these now for the first time, where I'm just like. Yeah, watching them now, I mean, it puts me back into the, you know, somewhat of the feeling that I had when I was watching them for the first time back then. But, you know, it was, it was a different time where we had the, you know, small handful of shows each year. You'd have a Saturday night's main event or a main event or something like that thrown in there. So, I mean, Survivor Series was always an awesome thing just because you'd have, you know, four of your your favorites going against four of the people you hated the most and it would put on a, a little spectacle for the night and sometimes a storyline would be started sometimes it would have absolutely nothing to do with anything mm. but it was something i looked forward to yeah and then along came 1991 where it just kind of fell mostly flat i mean there's good things on the yeah show. there's some good things well, we know but it's, good things are. it's not one that you know it, it takes less than one hand to count the good moments on one show. Mm. Those moments ah. are good, though. Yeah. Real good. They are good. I, I don't want to completely dog on it, no. but there was just... I wish there was more good than there was forgettable moments. What about you, Michael? It's There's... A, there's like I said, you count on one hand. Uh, I got one, two fingers up that are memorable if they pulled off the Janetti and Sean thing maybe three but it just fell flat so but yeah like Hogan losing the belt is always a huge deal and it was done pretty well that match was entertaining uh... it was Hogan match <laughs> but it was entertaining Hogan match because the Undertaker's fun have those words ever been said Entertaining Hogan maps. Sometimes <laughs> chokes and yeah, throat punches. Throat punches. Yeah. He's a dead That's man. Literally, is all of his offense. But he's no selling things. I don't like. I don't hate this, and it's nice to see Hulk lose and all the promos and the story is fun. Like you brought to light a bunch of other things that have been happening that didn't actually get to, you know, bear fruit. But I think that considering that 
there were so many wrenches in the spokes like this was cool and then jake and savage like half of the show is like jake and savage and there's not and it's like previously recorded for the most part i mean i'm right there with you guys the basically there's a couple moments worth mentioning you got flair's debut yeah and even flair it's like still not as memorable as he wanted to be no definitely not but it was fun to see him there but it still is it still is his debut why wasn't he not if like if hogan was gonna lose the belt in the middle of the show why not have flair go on last and win that's a running question for the next several pay-per-views of... <laughs> it's like, come on. Why? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But he can, he can win. Yeah, it's like they're not going to put the heel over at the end. But if you're going to... I guess... Yeah. You could at least have him like lose in a schmoz at the end. I mean, and have he won the schmoz. <laughs> he did. Man, I don't know. It just you, and so, you and you and you and you and you. Yeah. You're out. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Undertaker? Winning his first championship. Yes. It, it's kind of, it's it's there. I mean, obviously Undertaker wins the championship, but it's kind of lost in the shuffle of Flair and Hogan being these two, everything that they're building towards, it looks like they're building Flair versus Hogan. Yeah. That's what it looks like they're yeah, building Yeah, this is towards. like, this is yeah. a defense and As like a should. thing in between that kind of like, it's like, oh, we, we are willing to put it on a bad guy. And we so just, like, let's, let's have Flair come up and be like an even bigger shit heel like (laughs) the recap and promos of the Savage Robert stuff Mm -hmm. so good I'm gonna throw it out that's probably the best stuff on this entire show yeah it's easily the best stuff but the show was a Survivor Series which if you've listened to the show long enough you know we don't love Survivor Series I mean there's moments we try we try and find the good in anything unfortunately not a whole lot in this one no and on top of that, it's basically just a commercial for, for the next pay-per-view. And it's yeah. twice as long as the next pay-per-view, exactly. which is extra wild. Yeah. They literally could have shown this show as a Saturday night main event. And basically people, people did the, did would the have saved promo. 30 bucks. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And um, everybody would have been happy. Did you know that there is supposedly Taker did defend this title once before the next show? And it was against Davy Boy Smith at like a house show. That doesn't surprise me at all. It's kind of cool. I was like, oh, like at least he had a defense. I mean, it was a house show or whatever, but yeah. it's kind of neat. He had a respectable challenger as far as Davy Boy. They could have given him yeah. Berserker I mean, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. At least it was like <laughs> at least it was somebody that people like want to see. But I mean, it sounds like we're all kind of like this show is not a must watch no no i would say you know watch the savage stuff but you can probably you can probably google that you're gonna get most of it probably in in the promos of the next of the next show yeah i mean the hogan or you can find a little snippet clip hogan undertaker is a essential viewing if if you're an undertaker fan you have to watch the first championship i feel like even like it's not that long anyway and like it's totally worth your time i don't know what else i can say not this show outside of the Jake stuff, but all that is, it's all promo. Yeah. It's, it's all, yeah, it's all promo. This show is <laughs> mostly a pro, a giant promo for Tuesday in Texas and for, you know, the Jake and Macho feud. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So best moments of the night. I mean, you were just mentioning yeah, we, like we the Roberts promo. Savage promo was good. Yeah, Roberts terrorizing Elizabeth. I mean, 
being able to see the snake bite thing at the very beginning oh, of the show yeah. was, like I said at the beginning, you talked about it before. Yeah. I'd never seen it. I was, and like, I was just like, I put it over pretty hard, but I feel like it needs cow. to be. <laughs> That's amazing. That, like, yeah, supposedly Jake has said that he like had to convince. Macho, that, that, yeah, that like that like it was devenomized, yeah. and Macho like basically made him like let the snake bite Jake. And he's like, Jesus Christ, man! Like, can't you trust me? But <laughs> so he was kind of annoyed by that, and supposedly he paintbrushed the snake, just like slapped the shit out of it pretty hard before. But I mean, you're gonna kind of have to do that anyway to get the snake to bite him on TV. Yep. So like one way or another, that's probably what happened. But he may maybe have done it with a little bit more malice, considering uh, the fact that Savage, because we all know Savage is. Paranoid. That's all anybody's ever said about him. Like nobody's ever said anything terrible about him. Say, oh, he was par- paranoid and protective of Elizabeth. It's like, oh, so he was, yeah. I he remember was, he was Macho Man in real life. Remember recording that when it aired and rewinding my my tape over and over again just to watch that part because I was trying to figure out if the snake, if it was actually biting into him or if it was some sort of Heather just you know, explode pack or something. Really? She's, she's all like, that's just fake. It's so not. It's so not. I mean, she was just giving me a hard time. Yeah, but it's, yeah. It was like, The sock uh, puppet snake will come along eventually. <laughs> oh, man. I don't see a lot of snakes very often, but it does look bizarre. Because you're just like, yeah. uh, how often do you see a snake just bite somebody like that? Normally it's a quick thing where somebody backs up, moves away, but it's just like gnawing into his arm tight yep. in the ropes. So it's... You know, and really for being thing. 1991, that was something you didn't expect to see on TV. Was yeah, that's, somebody being a snack or a snack? Yeah, we like attacked we, by a we real never snake. get blading on. Like we get very few moments of blading in WWF, and here we yeah, and here we've got like a, a real life snake bite. <laughs> it's it's great. Another best I? moment for me was just the beginning twinklings of HBK. Starting to, to yes. peek through on Shawn Michaels. Well, so I read that basically WWF wasn't sure which one. I mean, we all we all know. Yeah. That yeah. about the Rockers breaking up. We're not going to kayfabe that. But they weren't sure which one they were going to turn heel, even at this point when they did this match. So that's that's why they kind of left it a little bit ambiguous and, yep. and had them make up yeah. before they even left the ring. So I remember watching. You know, superstars or whatever show it was, and before the Survivor Series happened, you know, they were starting to drop little little nuggets, little nuggets, little clues, mm-hmm. and but they were just super subtle. Like uh, I remember the way they did the like Hogan and Macho stuff. Even more subtle than that. Oh, like nice. it was. I remember watching, and the Rockers were coming to the ring, and Marty Jannetty was in front. Shawn Michaels was behind him, just as they normally do. But then on the way to the ring, Shawn got distracted by a girl, one of the fans, and was talking to her. And there was just something that stood out about that. You know, that's something they'd never done. Yeah. Their something about their their gear was off by just like a teeny tiny hair, and. Oh, it just stood out as that was really weird. What they do that for? And then the next week they'd throw something else where you know one of them missed a tag, and you know there was a, a heated moment. Yeah. And then that's why with the the Survivor Series, that little thing, you know, that's some of us Part were waiting of for try it. And tag in quite as hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we were trying. We were trying. You know, me as a, a, a teenage fan, I was waiting to see what was going to happen. Are they actually going to break them up? Are they? You know, is it just going to be one of those things where they have a misunderstanding and then they're fine? Yeah. And then, you know, you've got the WWF magazine at the time that wasn't making anything easier because they 
send out a copy two months before a storyline actually happened. Oh, so really? They'd spoil their own stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I got a magazine of the Rockers breaking up the month before it actually happened. Oh my god. It was like, that's so, what that's is so this? That's, that's like so preventable. Literally one of my favorite moments is, is when Hawk stops Sean Mooney from kicking it to, to yeah. breaking news just so he can say what's <laughs> so he can say his, his and it's like it's breaking news probably from Hulk Hogan is like what they're yeah. trying to do and he's like yeah so that's that is pretty good and it would be a, a great thing if he was a heel yeah. it'd be even better that way but like but then he's a face and doesn't I just thought it was yeah. great so most disappointing moments I mean there's not there's the everything the yeah everything's, <laughs> like, everything's pretty like okay but uh, I think the most disappointing thing for me is that Flair like opens the show, but I guess he gets used. He's the reason that the title gets won essentially in the middle of the show. So it's like, well, you'd want to use him before that match, but still, like, could he have done that and then come out and got like super heat on in the main event and just like really got everybody like hating him? That would have been that would have been cool. I mean, to that point though. Literally having Hogan and Undertaker as the third match of the ma- of the evening, does that not kind of telegraph a little bit that they're going to? I mean, do I guess, something. I guess in twenty twenty now, yeah, that we're looking back like it kind of telegraphs the fact that there's a good chance that he could lose the belt because why wouldn't you end the show on Hogan posing? You've done it for ever, ever, forever. Yeah, why would you not do it? You've on had him, show? you've had him pose. When Macho Man won the title, we're crying out loud. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, he's always uh, stealing valor. <laughs> so, like, you know, in the moments where they're where like somebody should have had their complete time to shine, he's always gotten in the way. Whether it's Warrior Savage, and that's really about all we've had in between Hulkamania starting and quote unquote ending. But has Hulkamania ever really truly ended? And if there's a performer that I feel got the short shrift <laughs> Not this yet. entire Not show. Yet. It was Davy Boy, because he was one of the only people that got eliminated in that first match. But he looked awesome. He looked awesome. Yeah. And so it's like, like you're gonna leave Virgil and the Mountie in there to be disqualified. Yeah, it's like at least get the Mountie out of here, and like, and because Virgil, you know, like he's he can't get eliminated because the Million Dollar Man thing. Or if he gets eliminated, it needs to be after he's already like gotten the rub on him a little bit. But see, that's where they could have used the Survivor Series to their advantage. And started a new feud by having yeah somebody else. I'm trying to think of who else was on the team. Yeah, uh, healer face <laughs> opposite of Virgil's, Virgil's team. So I guess heal. Warlord, Diviasi, and yeah, like yeah, start up. Yeah, give give Warlord something to do. Why not? Yeah, either Warlord or Mountie. Yeah. Mountie was still new at the time yeah. as the Mountie character, so well, he could have recently steamrolled over the top of, the of Virgil and been mostly fine. Mostly Mountie promos of like you know him going to jail, yeah, every ten minutes, him going further into jail. Uh, for me, the worst was probably just that entire second match. I had no desire then, and less desire now. The only thing that could have made that match good is if Tito had just run wild on everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got the guy that makes it to the fin- the finale the year before. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I had a hard time. Do with, it. I had a hard time with the last. Oh, that was the other so I was thing. Like, what do I care at this point? I mean, at least it was earthquake and, and yeah. Legion of Doom. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I like you know, I, mean, I like Legion, Legion of Doom. Doom so I mean, still, yeah. But at that point, I was just like, all right, it could have ended on whatever the last thing was. But I mean, I, you, you well, know. actually, my biggest problem with that match is 
it comes down to Legion of Doom versus IRS, and I'm just like, why is this taking so long? Mm-hmm. To yeah, they should have just they should have just Doomsday devised him as soon as he was like in the ring exactly. by himself. Well, originally, like, also, yeah, clothesline by one guy, shoulder block by the other. One of them goes to the top. You got it. One, two, three. Yeah. Originally, also they were talking about doing like they had done the year before with the grand finale sure. match with all of the survivors competing oh, against yeah. each other. I even forgot about it. And then, they I mean, they they had actually promoted it up before then, because oh, I remember right. them talking about it, and then it just disappeared the night of. It would make more sense, I guess, considering... because Tuesday in Texas. Yeah, I was, that would make more sense, considering that these matches are pretty, like, ugh. So it's like, well, at least it'll culminate in something, but... Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily want to see that something anyway. So yeah, your grand I mean, finale. You, if you had had that happen, you know, Flair would have won, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. That's what, and that's see that what, that's that would have been a good thing. thing yeah. To yeah. establish him a little bit in the WWF. Or Flair would have gotten counted out at some point, and then yeah, because like we said, well, I mean, the entire other they, team was yeah, disqualified. Like, <laughs> don't go, what they could have done is have Flair be last with somebody else. Bobby Heenan slips him the the belt. Hits him with the belt, gets DQ'd. Yeah. There you go. Knocks out Hawk or something. Yeah. So in this uh, land of crap that we've watched, mm-hmm. who is the best performer? <laughs> Jake. Jake, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Glad you got we all agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't even in the ring. Yeah. No, no. That... Well, like, because there was, like, some, like, there's definitely plenty of talented people throughout the show, but they didn't really get to shine. No. And, like, not. yeah, Undertaker did his gimmick Perfectly, but yeah. that's that's a thing, and it's a performance, but it's not nearly as affecting or memorable as Jake. I mean, Piper made me look at him differently in this match than I had in a while, just because he just had this different presence. Maybe no, it's the a, connection with energy. him and Flair. Yeah, he has energy in the match. Yeah, he with... was probably getting bored of like making C-rate action movies. It's like, yeah, they live. You get lucky once sometimes. Sometimes you get to work with John Carpenter. That's not a lot of people that got to do that. But yeah, like they're not all gonna be. They're not all gonna be like you know classics or like at least cult classics at some point. Yeah, uh, have like some kind of merit. He just looked like a badass coming down the ring, and then the little bits that you had with him and Flair. I just I wanted more of that, and yeah. that was one thing that still to this day I was pissed about. WWF didn't. Yeah. Do what they should have with the two of them. Yeah, that is a good point because I was like, you could definitely feel the chemistry between the two of them. Yeah. And that's probably why Piper was so excited because he's like gets to work with somebody that like he worked with back in the day. So it's like, oh, like yeah, we yeah. we know each other's makes shit. you feel like yeah. he's twenty seven again. Yeah, totally. So is the most surprising thing the championship change or Flair debuting? I guess the championship change. I knew Flair was coming up, so the surprising thing for me was that it was the first match. But, like, you know, it's always... I'd say Hogan not in the main event. Yeah. If he was the main <laughs> event, he would, I guess he would have won. This show is important for, like, one and a half, uh, two and a half reasons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Dusty Rhodes had won the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship in Tampa, Florida. But Harley Race demanded a rematch when they met up in Orlando just five days later on August 26th, 1979. Race would win back the championship for the third time. A few months later, Harley Race would embark on a tour of Japan and just as with Jack Briscoe six years prior, Giant Baba would get a title shot. 
Baba would defeat race on Halloween, October 1979, in Nagoya, Japan, to become a two-time champion, hitting his special move, the running neckbreaker drop. Harley was determined to make sure he was still champion when he returned to the United States, so they had one more match in Amagasaki <laughs> seven days later, with his wife and son sitting at ringside as blood spouted from Race's forehead, would use Baba's momentum against him on a flying body press to regain the title and become a four-time champion. Harley Race would continue his dominance for the next year until a return trip to Japan would see these two men step into the ring once again. Next week, this Tuesday in Texas. As if it wasn't put over enough in this show. Now it's our turn. (laughs) It's our turn to put over the show. (laughs) Uh, It's... Texas in a Tuesday. Texas. I mean, how many Tuesday pay-per-views we covered? Unless it was a, like a Survivor Series or like maybe a Starcade. Nothing's on a I Tuesday. I only remember one other Tuesday. On I think they've been random. Like yeah. I remember one other shows. Tuesday one about twenty years yeah, down yeah, the line. Or something like that. It's kind of weird. I wonder what made them. But we talk about it next week. I bet we do. <laughs> I guess you'll you'll have the answers for me, and I appreciate that. Music from this week's show is the theme from Survivor Series nineteen ninety one. And I'm going to play Legion of Doom's theme music because they won the main event. It's probably the first and only time we hear it. Probably. That song's What a Rush by Jimmy Hart and J.J. McGuire. Go, Jimmy. Hey, you think Jimmy's still making some uh, money off all those tunes he co-wrote back in the day? I hope so. No, because he signed signed his rights away at all. Oh. I mean, unless he didn't in WCW. But in WWF, he signed his rights away. You know what I realized? I guess... It's new, but that new Jake song that's on this show, they're like, uh, oh, what is the catchphrase? Um, they're like, the truth or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, that song rules, and I love it. That's all. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. You can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com if you have any comments, questions, concerns. Or you can find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. Also like to thank Shane O'Mac for joining us this week. You can come back next week. Oh, hell yeah. And come back next week and join us for this Tuesday in Texas. Can't well, miss so. Tuesday in Texas. Second time you're live at Tuesday in Texas. Sure. Correct. Yeah. I mean, this is a lot of Yeah. Live now. Ish. I'm here. I'm living. This is live. All the wrestling shows during COVID Mint. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace.